What's up, what's up, Canyon Brats out there? Welcome to another episode, and what we feel like is kind of an important episode, because it deals with one of the extremes of the canyon, and that extreme, as a lot of you probably know, is heat. Uh, the heat issues can cause um, yeah, really dire situations in Grand Canyon. So we delve into two different stories, one with uh, experienced people and one with novices, and both of them end with a little bit of trouble and, and hopefully some things that people can learn from, some advice and glean some information on. If you guys have any thoughts, ideas, or questions about, I don't know, heat issues or anything Grand Canyon, uh, definitely hit us up on our Instagram page. We love having the interactions and we've loved seeing how many people are actually excited for the new episodes. Uh, we want more and more people to come to know Canyon Brats as a podcast. And one way you can do that is take just, I don't know, two minutes. Just pause this episode, go to Apple Podcasts and give us a five-star rating and a short little review. And then I'll bump us up and get us in front of more and more people who are searching for Grand Canyon uh, content. So, all right, this is a long episode, so it won't take too much more of your time. It's actually two hours long, so feel free to pause it and come back to it as you please. But uh, yeah, thanks again, and let's get on to the episode. Howdy, stranger. Hi. Long time no talk to on a microphone. <laughs> yeah, it's weird. <laughs> we don't just like do this in our spare time when we're not recording podcasts. Yeah, no, uh, and it's been a while. It has. I think the last episode was, was that the Escalante route? Could Back be. Back in March? Probably. Yeah. Uh, I didn't even look that up. I don't even know what episode we're in for the I introduction. It... Oh, <laughs> whoops. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Canyon Brats episode number, beep, enter number here. We are your hosts. Uh, I am not Carrie Henderson. <laughs> Oh, is that what we're doing? And I am not Nick Urban. And we're your Canyon Brats, and you guys are Canyon Brats. And if you stuck with us uh, through this long hiatus of of uh, recordings, then welcome back. So, why uh, why has it been a long hiatus? I don't, I don't know. Are there any reasons? Oh, just this little thing called a global pandemic we've been living through. <laughs> yeah, yeah that that kind of stopped some of our our Canyon adventures. Um, I think we're, we could have still done recordings. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> we, about we had it. stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff going on. But we're back. So, you know what? That's mm-hmm. what's important. And people who find us later, they won't even know that it's been a long time between episodes <laughs> unless they look at the date of the episode release. That's true. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, we decided to come back on. Uh, we've been wanting to do another episode. And specifically, we've been wanting to do an episode on... I, we wanted wanted to look into Death in Grand Canyon, that book, and, and do some episodes on that, and we, and we will. But uh, in looking at that, we had our own couple of adventures the last month or so that fit. Uh, no, no one died. <laughs> or, or Don't we worry, didn't moms. Die. We didn't die, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but we ran into issues, both ourselves and others, uh, that is a, a pretty high percentage of what causes death in Grand Canyon. Mm-hmm. And what is that, Carrie? Dehydration, mm-hmm. heat exhaustion. Um, yeah. What else is on your list over I there? Mean, heat and dehydration. <laughs> oh, I've got, yeah, heat, dehydration, you know, water issues, mileage, exposure, electrolytes, uh, termin. I don't know what that word is. Termin? 
oh, terrain (laughs) (laughs) and exertion. These all go into uh, what is kind of an umbrella term of exposure. Um, even though that could be uh, cold as well, we're talking about we're talking about heat problems, really. So yeah, and a big part of that is because the two stories we're going to tell today um, happened in July and August, which are typically um, kind of considered the off season for Grand Canyon. Yeah, I, as far as yeah, doing anything uh, like down in the inner corridor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's definitely a an off season, not that no one still does it. Cause we're going to talk about us who does and some other people <laughs> that do. And, and yeah, so blah, 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 blah. But I think what's cool about these two stories, um, like you mentioned, we had been reading and for you rereading death in grand Canyon. Um, and that book, um, I mean, it's awesome. And the stories are an array of people who are venturing into the Canyon for the very first time and really don't, don't know or maybe don't believe some of the warnings about how difficult it is to hike in the Grand Canyon. Um, And then some of the stories are folks who are super experienced and um, are doing, you know, off trail backcountry trips um, and just kind of get in over their heads. So I think that the stories we'll tell today are kind of showing both sides of the story. Like even, even for people that go down below the rim multiple times a month are still subject to some of the issues that you rattled off. Um, especially, you know, heat exhaustion is one of those things like altitude sickness that it doesn't really discriminate. Like even if you're in great shape and you're acclimated to those conditions, it can still hit you really hard. So, um, yeah, I think people will hopefully enjoy the stories and, um, maybe think a little bit about preparedness before going into the Canyon for their next trip, especially if it's one of these in one of these hot months. Those are <laughs> sorry. <laughs> knocking knocking things around. Drinking here. water. Getting excited. You're getting excited I'm about this uh about this thirsty episode. thinking about these stories. That's true, yeah. I'm probably gonna start getting more and more thirsty. You're drinking water. I'm drinking a little bit of mead, some drinking horn mead, of course. Uh, those are great points. It doesn't have to I think someone told us uh on made a comment, it was Michael Skier, he said to me, You don't have to be a novice to have a terrible time in the canyon. Um, Mm -hmm. and so, yeah, so beginners and experts, experts, that's a weird word. Experts alike can get hit by heat, uh, issues. Um, (laughs) and the dogs are still, yes, with (laughs) us rattling around. Um, yeah, so those are, those are great points. And and the stories that we're going to tell, yeah, are basically, you know, I'd say words of wisdom and words of warning. A lot of people I've seen listen to our podcast because they're going to go to Grand Canyon either for the first time or they haven't been in a while and they want to like, you know, either relearn about what's going on and stuff like that. So I think this could be a great episode for, for people to, to get onto and, and listen and, and like you said, learn some things and yeah, be learn more prepared. from our mistakes and others. <laughs> yeah. And that doesn't mean that they're not going to make their own mistakes, but Hey, <laughs> you know, maybe this will help. So. All right, so let's get right into it. Why don't you introduce us into the thoughts of the first adventure uh, that happened on July twenty, July twenty fifth <sighs> of this year? Okay, so Mary, just stop listening for the next portion <laughs> because this was my idea. <laughs> Mary and Sydney, my my mother and my sister, um, are probably slapping their hands on their heads when they if they listen to this and. Uh, yeah, it's a it's a story of 
my close to demise. So <laughs> yeah, thank you, Carrie, for putting me through that. Hey, <laughs> you didn't have to say yes. <laughs> um, so I, yeah, back in July, um, I think I just had the Grand Canyon itch. We hadn't been down in a while. Mm. I, I think that there was a trip in between Escalante and um, Brahma, but I can't remember what it was, maybe a run or something. Um, yeah, we hadn't done anything big in the canyon in months. Um, so we, we'd been talking about doing Brahma for a long time. Um, it's a summit I had done once and Nick hadn't done yet. Um, and it was my second summit and I have this. I have it was this, your second summit ever. Ever. Yeah. yeah. And I had this memory of it being really fun, <laughs> fun and like, you know, hard and, but doable. So it was one that I definitely wanted to repeat. Um, and so there, there was like a very slight cooling off for a couple days. And by that, I mean that the temperatures on the rim went from like between 86 and 90 down to like the low eighties. And I thought, let's take this opportunity to go do Brahma. Um, I thought about it weeks or maybe a month before, like in sometime in June, um, about doing it and just leaving in the middle of the night doing the summit during the day when a lot of that hiking, um, you're in the shade of Brahma and Zoroaster, um, and then hiking out at night, um, to minimize that sun exposure. So I thought it was a decently safe idea. Yeah, makes, makes sense on paper for sure. Yeah. Being, getting that you're in the middle of the night. You're not joking, um, about that, that start, like, like try yeah. to get as many dark hours as you can safely. So, yeah, and, and yeah, so it was a good plan. It dropped down to, I think, it was 81 for a high that day on the rim. And I couldn't find the temperature at Phantom Inner Canyon, but it said the average is around 106 for the Yeah, I mean, July. generally, I feel like it's, you know, like Phoenix temperatures, so like 20 degrees higher than what it is on the rim. So I would say, yeah, low hundreds is a good estimate. That's probably what it felt like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, when it wasn't cloud cover. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Still ended up being a warm one. So we took off. You, you're, you, you have this love for Brahma. You wanted to do it again. Um, you wanted to take me up there. Uh, I'd never been, and it is a daunting summit. If you look out from the South rim, there are a couple of, of summits that kind of poke out. Um, this one is less poke, more punch <laughs> to me. It's like a big, massive, you know, bulging, <laughs> summit it was a big massive bulging summit <laughs> uh and <laughs> starting to read a romantic novel that might get edited out let me, let me write down a little uh, time stamp on that keep it in. okay okay i'll keep it in so this massive bulging summit uh pokes out out of the <clears throat> it's also right in the middle i feel like of the canyon you know between north and south it's kind of like right sticking mm. up in the middle of the canyon and it looks even more daunting the closer you get. Um, from the south rim, it kind of looks like Zoroaster and Brahma are similar heights or that Zoroaster is even taller. And then once you get closer, you realize like, oh, damn, <laughs> Brahma is huge. Yeah, yeah, it's prominence or in other words, from base to summit is 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 huge. Yeah, it, it, I mean, it's. It's the same height as Zoroaster because it has Kaibab on the top, at least layer-wise. I mean, not exactly, but it has the Kaibab. They both have a Kaibab top to them. Yeah, I think it's higher. I think the prominence is the most of, I mean, any of the ones we've done anyway. 
Yeah. Yeah. And we can talk about how long it took us to get from base to, to <laughs> summit. It took a while, but that's also with orienteering and orientation and Karen's being all over the place. But yeah. yeah. So we did start in the middle of the night. Um, you have all the timestamp notes, but I think it was like between midnight and 1am. It was, we started at the South Kaibab trailhead at 1237 AM. Okay. Yeah. So kind of on track with what we wanted to do. Um, we just have never learned our lesson that everything in the Canyon takes longer than we expect. So even just hiking down South Kaibab took a lot longer than, than we thought it was going to. I mean, granted, like we were tired and it was the middle of the night. Um, so I think we, you know, we hiked down South Kaibab um, and up to the Clear Creek Trail um, with some light. I think that that's probably when we turned our headlamps off. And then what time did we actually get to, I don't know what you have recorded, Sumner Wash? The yes. beginning of the red wall. So I have, uh, we got to Sumner at 5.45 a.m. Okay. So yeah, it took us, you know, five hours uh, to get down South Kaibab. We actually took uh, 10, 20 minutes at Phantom. So filling up on water. That's another thing about, about Brahma is once you pass Phantom, unless there's like some random pockets of water from rain, there's no more water. You've got to carry, same as Zoraster, you've got to carry all your water from from uh, from Phantom Ranch uh, for the rest of whatever your day is going to be. And so we carried a lot of empty water bottles and bladders down and then spent some time filling those up at Phantom. And then we got to uh, the Redwall Break, so you, you scurry up Sumner. And we're, we shouldn't go through too many details of this because it's more you know environmental than anything that we're talking about, but got to the Redwall Break at 6.45, an hour later. And so we did have light, yeah, through Sumner Wash and up to the Redwall Break, which is safe. We've done Redwall, we could do Redwall, we could do the Redwall Break in the dark. Yeah. For sure. In fact, we've come down in the dark. Um, but it just, you know, it, it fit to at least get some light at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the next few um, stages of the hike went really smoothly. I mean, we've been up to the Brahma Zoraster saddle. Um, I mean, between the two of us, like seven times or something like that. I mean, we knew the, you know, those next few sections pretty well. So. Yeah. Um, I think you even sent not a text, but a, a story or something out when we were on the arm, um, heading up to the saddle where, you know, we have like <laughs> perfect cell reception LTE. It's, it's when yeah. I check in on Chloe and <laughs> Adam's like, yeah, we're hanging out. Um, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, you sent out a story saying like making great time. <laughs> oh boy. The foreshadowing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. We made a great time up to the arm. And yeah, we were cruising, you know, doing all right. Weather wasn't bad. It was still cool at that point and cruised across. That was the first time I've been across the saddle. Um, I've only stopped at Zoraster, uh, went over there, uh, got to the base of Brahma, did the traverse around Brahma, um, got to the base of Brahma and then heading up it, that was where things got a little, that's where things goofy. slowed down yeah. a lot. I think actually when we started the traverse, we that's when I started really looking at the time and being like, oh shit, <laughs> we really need to like get ourselves up there and start getting down. Because um, I think both of us just wanted to get back down to Sumner Wash by with light in the sky. 
some of those obstacles are a little tricky to do Mm -hmm. in the dark. Um, So I don't think either one of us is looking forward to that. So um, we had, you know, pretty big incentive to get a move on. Um, But yeah, like you said, when we started actually going up the summit, um, (laughs) I think I like have a selective memory or something because I remembered so much of Brahma. Um, you know, we would get to spots. They'd be like, I remember this. I remember this. We got to that spot and I was like, oh, <laughs> I had blocked this out. <laughs> I blocked it out. It was shitty the first time. It was shitty the second time. And um, and like you mentioned at the beginning, the cairns in that section are all over the place. Yeah, way too many. Yeah, and I actually remember that happening the first time as well, but I don't remember which way we chose to go the first time surprise surprise (laughs) didn't remember the useful information (laughs) yeah so that 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 bit was was a struggle there was you know really loose stuff like sliding all over the place you'd go left i'd go right we're like yelling at each other like how's yours look i don't know like you get cliffed out and brushy it was yeah it's not it's not la la la. It's we're doing this summit. Forward. Oh, here's where they said go left at this rock and chimney up. No, it's just like go and get to the top. And there's probably four or five different ways. Yeah, honestly, I think a lot it. of the decisions we made, it was like, does this go? And it's like, I mean, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> it can. <Yeah. laughs> Is it supposed to? I don't know. Um, and every and time, that was in the heat of the day too. I, you know, I don't. You have all the timestamps in front of you, but. That was probably like midday when the sun was high. And, um, you know, like you mentioned, the first several hours were cool in the morning. And then um, as it started to approach late morning, I still thought it was pretty pleasant because you have the shade of Brahma and Zoroaster for so long. And in that section, you're completely exposed um, just on, you know, rock, rock piles, rock scree. Um, And it was warm. Yeah. Yeah, like you said, you get that shade of Brahma because you're you're walking along the west side of it. And so as long as it's early enough, it's shading you for that long traverse. But then, yeah, we got there. So I've got us at the base of starting to actually go up Brahma at 1045, so almost 11 o'clock. And in July, <laughs> that's when things are definitely already heating up. And you get above that first, I think it's you start to get up into the Coconino and you're not shaded anymore. Yeah, that, that sun's just hitting you. And that plus like sliding around, getting frustrated with directions. Um, yeah, it was, you know, I mean, it's not like we're surprised that the canyon, that Grand Canyon summits are, you know, going to give you trouble. But it was definitely one that was, it was like, at least in my mind, I was like, holy crap. Like <laughs> I, I'm used to at least moving forward constantly and this was not moving forward a lot of times yeah i think we had a brief discussion about whether to continue on just because Mm -hmm. of time um i think i when i was thinking about the day i thought we would be on top by 11 or 12 or you know in that range and that was clearly not going to happen so i think that we briefly talked about like should we just turn around and it was a resounding no from me so we uh (laughs) forged ahead (laughs) and i'm happy we did because we you know we did make it to the top um that last section isn't fun (laughs) like i think i changed my mind on how fun i think brahma is (laughs) um yeah, the last section is just a lot of nasty stuff that you're hiking up and through. Um, but we made it to the top. 
Woo! Woo! Summit number twenty-one for you. Well, it didn't really. It didn't count towards my tally. Oh, that's I right. You had already done it. Done it. Oh yeah. yeah. So now we're not <laughs> ten apart anymore. Nope. I'm catching up. Just got to do Coronado now. Um, yeah, we got to the summit at twelve thirty. About. Um, yeah. So some might call that. You know. <laughs> well, no. I guess the heat of the day is a little bit later, like two or three o'clock. But still, noon on the summit of Brahma. There was some panting going on. It was. It was hot. hot. Yeah, and we did not hang out for long up no, there. <laughs> Ten minutes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> signed the register and headed back down. Um, and you know I. <laughs> This just kind of popped into my head a few minutes ago. I had forgotten about this part of the day. So you can remind me when this actually started happening. But a storm was rolling in. And I don't know Mm -hmm. if it was when we were on top of the summit that we noticed that the sky was darkening and it was getting windy or if it was a little bit later. Um, But it was at some point between being on top of the summit and between there and the traverse back, we started you know, realizing like, oh shoot, <laughs> here's a summer storm rolling in. Um, hearing thunder coming from the north rim and maybe even lightning. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that was so. Well, the thunder and lightning was mostly after we gotten down, but I remember I, I do remember about halfway on the descent from Brahma, um, starting to think about that, and then we got down, and then we did the traverse back, and then all of a sudden you kind of could peek around the corner of Brahma and see it coming. And you even said, that's going to be on us in, you know, five minutes. And I was like, uh, I don't know. Like, I don't think it is. And sure as shit, like five yeah. minutes later, we're getting hit by rain. Mm-hmm. Um, it's so funny. I completely forgot about the storm because it was like the least of our worries for yeah. the day as a whole. <laughs> um, and it, it honestly was, um, that's funny, like similar story to the next one we're going to tell. But yeah, some of these storms in the canyon, you can see them coming from so far away because the canyon is just so expansive. So there could be a storm on the north rim um, and it, it just kind of can roll over certain parts of the canyon and, you know, head east or west. And that's pretty much what happened with us. We took cover under a boulder for, I think, less than 10 minutes. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, got some rain and then it seemed like it, um, the thunder and lightning at least were dissipating and the, the storm was moving over us pretty quick. So we got to move on <laughs> and that was that. So yeah, it could have been worse. Yeah. And when you start to think about the rain hitting and, and getting the rocks all wet and some of the supai descents that you have to do, uh, yeah. on the descent, you don't want to do that when they're necessarily slippery. You know, it's not the worst thing in the world, but that's in your in your mind the whole time. Like, crap, if we can get there a little bit quicker before they get soaking wet, we can do those hand lines and those those descents. Um, you know, I maybe was just safer. worried about how long we were going to have to hide out under a boulder. My yeah. main concern was getting down before dark. So it didn't bother me, you know, hiking in the rain or even in a thunderstorm. But um, I just didn't want to sit under that rock for <laughs> an hour. And then- no you know, miss all of our daylight. So well, honestly, it wasn't the best rock to be under either. There's not really much cover yeah. where we were. It was like kind of a cover. It was working for me. Yeah. You were oh. stuffed in that little, yeah, <laughs> little spot. So let's, let's, I'm going to kind of move this into, or, or at least poke a bit now at what we're talking about, about the struggles. Um, we were, or at least I was starting to notice something that would come to play with me later that would lead to terrible times, including 
thinking I was going to fall off of a cliff, hallucinations, like bad, bad stuff. And the thing that I started thinking about right there at that moment when we were first getting off Brahma was the amount of calories that I had. Um, the amount of food that I had brought in was in the end, not going to be enough at all. Um, not even really close. So, well, you're also like (laughs) giving me your snacks the whole day. Um, I, I think you didn't have much of an appetite. I mean, kind of the entire time. I think it got more pronounced throughout the day, but yeah. you weren't eating that much. I feel like I was snacking constantly throughout the day. Um, That's something that is inherent with me anyway during those things. I don't always eat a lot, but that's also a sign of what? Dehydration. Dehydration, <laughs> yes, which is another part of this whole thing in heat and summer summertime and things to be aware of. So I just want to say that started to click into my head. Yeah. Into both of our heads that the amount of food that we had may have been lacking. Yeah. Yeah. And so we can kind of speed ahead. I mean, I think that a a big part of that was, um, again, like having an idea of how long something is going to take and preparing for that and not preparing (laughs) for what happens if it takes a few hours longer? What happens if, you know, you run into some type of trouble? So I think both of us packed food for what we thought was going to be a 16 to, I thought it was going to be about a 16 to 18 hour day. Yeah. Um, and it was significantly longer. So, <laughs> um, yeah, same. I was um, worried about, I was rationing my food as well on the way down. Um, so let's talk about, you know, the, the descent wasn't anything to write home about. Like we, mm-hmm. we got down, we were safe. Everything was good. Um, so, yeah, except so near the end, I didn't know how far you were going to skip ahead just then, but all the way to phantom. So, okay. So before phantom, <laughs> there was a little thing that, that started happening to me that'll actually come into play at phantom ranch. So heading down through the supai, I remember there's one section of down climbing, um, it's like the one, if anyone's ever done Brahma or Zorro, there's one non handline section of the very first soup high. You have to go up this little chimney. That's fifth class, low, 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 low fifth class. We're talking, you know, below five, five, maybe, maybe around five, 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 six. Um, anyway, there's some moves and to come down off of that without a rope is a different story than climbing up. Anyone who's a climber or has scrambled knows that coming down is harder than, co- than going up for sure. Last time we were there, there was a, a webbing anchor on a boulder, and this time there wasn't. Um, not that we had a rope with us, but we had enough webbing we could have like kind of like handlined down. It wasn't there, so we had to down climb. So anyway, what I'm getting at is there was one section where you were handing a pack down, and some little tweak, something happened. Me taking that weight tweaked my back a little bit, and. I felt it a little bit then, it went away, but before we got to Phantom, I started having back spasms. Like it started tightening up on me. And so it was a little bit painful. Mm-hmm. And that's that comes to play. So we get down to Phantom. Um, it's hot. It was what? Like seven o'clock when we got down there? Yeah, it was sometime like right at sunset, like as the sun was setting. And we filled up with water and I decided I didn't have uh, any ibuprofen, which I, so after all of our trips, I didn't refill my first aid kit with ibuprofen, but what I did have was hydrocodone. And so I took a hydrocodone um, to help protect my back. I knew it was going to be a long ascent, a slow ascent up. So I took that hydrocodone on an empty stomach. 
Yeah, you're being really nice and not like blaming me for a lot of this <laughs> because I mean, first I think that there was one spot coming down in the supai and it might have been that chimney that you were helping me down and kind of like picked me up. And I think that you at that time said something <laughs> about your back hurting. Yes. Um, I will uh, also say that I think it was a spot where I didn't really need your assistance. Oh. But <laughs> I mean, okay. I appreciated it. Well, I'm just being honest. Well, then it wasn't um. your fault. It was my fault. I was trying not to mention that it was you that I was like, like basically picked up and pulled down. <laughs> <laughs> and then number two, when we were at Phantom, I mean, I you had some hesitation about taking that hydrocodone. And I remember saying like, I, you know, I don't really know. I've never taken it. I don't know what the side effects are. Um, and I might've asked if there were some side effects uh, about like nausea or so, you know, something yeah. like that. Um, but it seemed like safe enough. And I was like, I don't know. I think you should take it because I was just anticipating if you don't, that hike out for you is going to be really miserable. So I think <laughs> I kind of encouraged you to take the drugs. Yeah. Well, no, you did ask. And, and I've probably said it to you before. And for those of you out there, you know, I, I've had back problems in the past and I've taken, this is a prescription hydrocodone. I've taken it before. It is a very powerful, you know, drug. Um, and, but I've always had it. What it does to me is it just takes away the pain and I don't get all the weirdness that other people get like side effects. Like I've never gotten, you know, goofy or like feel nauseous or weird. All it's ever done for me is take away the pain. This <laughs> this time on an empty stomach, overexerted, dehydrated, it added a little bit to it. And sleep deprived. I mean, we sleep deprived. Slept, yeah. Did we even sleep the night before? I can't remember. Maybe for a few mm, hours, like sheesh. like two or three. I mean, it was minimal. Yeah. Um. So and we were approaching that twenty four hour mark of being on our feet. So yep. it had been over twenty four hours that we had been awake. You know, including the drive from Flag to the canyon. So. Um, I'm sure that played into it as well. Sleep deprivation messes me up probably more than anything. Yeah. A lot of those miles that we did, you know, in the beginning were in the dark too. And that'll like, that kind of tires me out, mm -hmm. you know, just doing that. But yeah, total trip from rim to rim was 24 and a half hours. That's constantly moving, except maybe sitting down at Phantom Ranch for a couple seconds and sitting on the summit for a couple seconds. Other than that, that's 24 and a half hours of moving in Grand Canyon, I don't know, whatever percentage of it off trail, you know, yeah, or semi off trail. So, okay. So get down there. Um, dehydrated. That's, that's number one, overexerted sleep deprived. That's number two, number three, uh, low calories, didn't have enough calories to keep the body functioning properly. <laughs> um, taking a hydrocodone, guess what I'm set up for? <laughs> Not a great exit of Grand Canyon. I've had bad exits before. Would you say this is my worst? I can't even ask the question. I can't even. Do you think this was the worst exit I've ever experienced? Yeah. Yeah. Not even, not even close. Um, but I think you were feeling okay. Right. Yeah, I was. I don't yeah. want to rub it in, but I yeah. honestly, oh. the whole day, like I wasn't super bothered by the heat. Um, probably for a few reasons. One, I mean, we got lucky, like I said, with the shade and then at that storm rolling in brought in some clouds as well. So I think the sun is something that really bothers me and we didn't have that mm. much direct sunlight. So that was great for me. And in general, I just am better hydrated than you. Are. 
ridiculously. Yeah. So just to let you know, there's a huge difference between us. And and those of you listening out here can probably relate to one of us or the other of us. She constantly has her water bottle in her hand. Like you are, you're drinking all the time. Um, you'll go into a restaurant and take your water bottle with you. Like that thing is attached I know, to you. I it's left like it a, at work on Friday and I almost went back and realized that they changed the locks and I don't have the right key. And oh I've my been like, gosh. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Yeah. I thought you've been a little bit, uh, you know, yeah. unnerved, but you constantly, <laughs> well, you've got your analogy now, but you're constantly drinking water. I, on the other hand, am chronically dehydrated. Like, I think a lot of people might say that they're like, Oh, I don't drink water. I'm like always dehydrated. (laughs) Like, and they're like, probably not. But me, I am chronically dehydrated. I drink coffee and beer and mead. And like every once in a while I chug water. You'll you'll come to my house and chug a glass of water and say, I think this is the first water I've had since yesterday morning. (laughs) And like, not be exaggerating. No, no, not at all. So (laughs) we are huge difference in the spectrum and thus i you know have issues i have cramping issues i have you know i get cold sometimes like and the thing for people to understand about this conversation as well and this is something that i think is really important um is the the pre-hydration um because i think that the day we did brahma you were drinking plenty i you drank more water than i did when we were hiking yeah um and that's another difference between us. When we're out and about, you know, when you take a swig of water, you're chugging it. Yeah. I take like these <laughs> tiny little sips, you know. Um, but it, it's not really about what you drink. Once you're dehydrated, it more or less doesn't matter what you do after that. You yeah. can't rehydrate a dehydrated, dehydrated body just by chugging a glass of water. Especially in those environmental conditions where I was sweating the whole time. Yeah. And without having enough salt in your system Mm, yeah, and electrolytes. Yeah. So it was rough. So, um, the hike out, when, when do you think you started really feeling it? I want to, I want to kind of take, I'm going to take one baby step back because I think this is important for people to hear who are like, maybe going to try to do something in the heat. Um, I think one prehydration is good, but it can't be like a couple hours before prehydration. The pre part of that is at least a full day, if not two or three days before. Mm-hmm. Make sure you're drinking, 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 um, because it does, you know, you when you drink a lot, you pee a lot. So you aren't absorbing a whole lot of that. So you need those cells to really fill up and get hydrated. Um, that's another thing with me is I chug. Like you said before, I don't sip. That's not good for hydrating either because all I do is I fill my stomach and then it goes in and stimulates my bladder to fill up immediately because I've chugged so much and I get rid of it. Um, I just want to say that prehydration is not an hour before your activity. Yeah. It's a, a day or two. Yeah. And and we'll talk about this more with our second story. Yeah. Um, but the other part of that is making sure that you have salt to mm-hmm. help absorb the water. I mean, yep. this you know happened to you. Um, happened to my mom too. I mean, just side story, but when my mom, um, came to visit a few years ago and we hiked to the river and up in a day, which was, you know, an awesome venture for her, you know, living in Illinois, um, (laughs) that's flat as heck. Um, and so before she came out, I was telling her, you need to start drinking water, you know, four days before we do this hike. And she did. She was diligent about it. Like you tell my mom to do something, she takes it seriously and she does it. <laughs> so she was drinking her water 
um, you know, for days before our trip on the hike itself, she was drinking plenty of water, but what she didn't do well was eat enough. (laughs) Um, and that, you know, ended up, you know, we got out of the Canyon just fine. She ended up getting sick the next day. And I think that that was a big part of it. She actually had a paramedic to test her, you know, hydration levels. And they said, you're really not dehydrated, but you know, this is what can happen to your body. Um, especially if you're lacking electrolytes. And so that's a common problem. What is it called when you're overhydrated? Hyponatremia. Yeah. Um, it is huge. In fact, the park service had to flip their, um, their warnings or whatever that what they would put out to the public. They used to say they went on a big campaign when people were like dying of heat issues drink, hydrate, drink a lot of water, drink a lot of water. And then all of a sudden people are still dying during the summer of these heat issues Mm -hmm. and like, holy crap. And what was happening is they were getting this hyponatremia, which means you've got too much water compared to your, we'll just call them electrolytes, but salts and stuff like that, that balances off. And so your cells don't absorb that and your kidneys start having big issues um, with that. And so it is, they flipped the script and now all you see is not only drink plenty of water, they always say, bring salty snacks Mm -hmm. every time, like in every pamphlet, every sign, bring and eat plenty of salty snacks. And, and that's because of hyponatremia. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so I think that was an issue because we didn't have enough food. Therefore we didn't have enough salts. Uh, I'm saying we, me. And so, yeah, that was a big issue. So that's another great thing for people listening to take into account. You know, you may be a strict diet kind of person, so you could do like salt tablets if you're used to those i would highly warn against those those can cause bad stomach issues which means you're going to be more dehydrated but even if you're you know super uber healthy bring some potato chips yeah you know or salted nuts um (laughs) (laughs) chloe is not happy she wants some potato chips right now (laughs) i want potato chips but yeah it's um what are some other suggestions for salty snacks do you think I don't know. People can figure out how to feed themselves. Yeah, okay. smart. Right, um, but I, I think an, one thing to uh, mention is that I know this was happening for you. A big part of the reason that you weren't eating was that you weren't really hungry. Like throughout yeah. the day, even earlier on, like before any issues started, um, every time we would stop for a snack break and we we're each eating our own snacks, you would offer me some of yours. And mm. I was really hesitant to take it because I knew that we were both limited on food and you'd be like, Oh no, take a block, like take a shot block. And I was like, no, you need them. And you're like, no, like I, you know, I'm not going to eat them or I don't want to take it. And you're like really encouraging me to eat some of your food. Um, and I, I think that that's a, an early sign of dehydration as well as not having an appetite. Um, which yeah, if we get to the next story, we'll be a big (laughs) part of it too. Um, so that's just something for folks to keep in mind is you, you know, if you're doing a big day, like you need to almost have scheduled snack breaks. Like it doesn't Mm. matter if you're hungry or not, and you don't have to eat a giant sub sandwich, like to have a handful of pretzels. Yeah. I think that's awesome. Awesome advice. I'm actually writing it down right now. Some of the advice, a scheduled snack break. And that comes, that almost comes, I think, does that come from your running background? No, but I feel like I used to to do that. It would be like almost an incentive to get mileage in and be like, all right, you know, I'm going to wait or, you know, we're going to wait until one o'clock and then stop and take a snack break. Hmm. Um, so, yeah. 
Yeah, great advice. Yeah, you're talking about this next story that we want to get to, so let's continue on here. <laughs> so um, we're heading out, and it even though we left after, as the sun was setting, like we turned our headlamps on basically at the bridge, heading back up, uh, starting up South Kaibab, you were okay, but here's another thing about dehydration. You're, you don't ha- water is a great regulator. If you think about it, like water, it takes a, takes forever to heat up, you know, like put it on a pot. It takes forever to boil, but it also, once it's hot, it takes forever to cool down. That's a great regulator and a buffer in your body. And so if you don't have that water in your body, you will get mm-hmm. colder much faster and you will get hotter much faster. Um, and so, uh, and just, you know, science teacher, Nick, think about a pot of water on the pan. You turn that on. Do you want to touch first the pan or the water? The water. The water, because it takes forever to heat up. So, so water's a great buffer. It's got a high heat capacity. Anyway, um, when you don't have that water and you're dehydrated, the climate will affect you much, much more. And I was hot on the way up. Like, I mean, it was like a hundred degrees down there, but you were doing okay. I was not, I was sweating. My body was like, we need to cool down because I didn't have that water within me. Therefore it's a positive feedback system. I'm sweating more. I'm losing more water. That's where people can get into a lot of trouble is once you're over, once you're dehydrated, your body can no longer, um, it starts to do the wrong thing in a sense. Mm-hmm. It starts sweating more to cool you down, but that's losing more water and it can push you, you know, you're teetering the edge and it can push you over. So I remember specifically starting up South Kaibab right out of the uh, out of that tunnel and thinking, holy crap, I'm sweating bullets. This is, I am hot. Like this sucks. Yeah. I remember you making that comment several times in the hike out, like it's so hot. It's so hot. And I was like, really? I don't think it's that bad. (laughs) Yeah. And you've seen that with me before to let people know who are, you know, this is a very advice driven, I think podcast episode. Um, it can happen the other way too. I've been dehydrated like Shiva. I was, Mm, I'm remembering (laughs) this is my chronic dehydration. (laughs) I do it to myself. We got back, we're cooking dinner. All of a sudden I started convulsing from cold. And it wasn't you guys, the other two, I mean, you it and was Carlos. August. It wasn't cold. <laughs> you, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, I know. I'm just saying, like, the temperature it was, was not cold. Yeah. And my body couldn't handle it. Um, that temperature changed into nighttime, and I didn't have the water to regulate it. So I got convulsing shivers. <laughs> so you're emitting some <laughs> terrible things. I feel like if we just really stopped and think about, thought about it, we could have so many examples right now. And then that other mm. time. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. I've got plenty of examples of me being a dipshit. Um, so yeah, so we're hiking out. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like I, uh, asked a few minutes ago, when, when do you think things kind of took a turn? Like went from like, Oh shit, I'm hot and sweating to yeah. like, I'm kind of in trouble. Like my body is, <laughs> I think it was probably around like just below tip off, mm-hmm. I think. Um, which is about, a mile and a half to two mile or no, sorry. Tip off is two and a half, two to two and a half miles up. I started to really feel that heat. Um, I was starting to stop and like put my hands on my knees. Um, and then I would say after tip off, actually after skeleton point. So the switchbacks actually, it was like a little bit after the switchbacks where I all of a sudden mentally, started to go downhill. And what I mean by that is the first kind of signs of it, which 
I, I didn't <laughs> recognize it because it could have happened anyway. I'm kind of goofy and, you know, wacky and I'll say, we'll see, we'll use the word creative. Um, I started seeing faces in the rocks and in the dirt and in the trail. And then I started saying it out loud to you that I started seeing. I was like, oh, look, it's a St. Bernard or, oh, look, it's a clown and like snickering. And I started like kind of laughing. <laughs> and you're like, what, where? And then I think I pointed the first one out. And then after that, you're like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then I started hearing a, I heard a cat. I, I, I was swear, thinking about this last night when yeah. you were hiking out. I swear, I, yeah, <laughs> under O'Neill, I heard a cat up in the cliffs go. And he freaks me out like, wait, stop. Well, seriously. Yeah, because I know it. I think it was there. I think it, I heard it. It wasn't there, everybody. And then I started... And so just so people know, it's not like I was completely ignoring Nick at this point, but she took off. She's like later loser. (laughs) (laughs) No, but you know, it's one of those things that, um, you know, seeing the faces and, um, you know, we'll get into what happened next. Um, but I thought it was more so something you were doing to keep yourself entertained because (laughs) we were at the end of a really long day. And, you know, like if you're out at a park and laying in the grass and you're looking up at the sky, you can kind of trick your mind into finding shapes and faces in the clouds. And it's like a game, like, you know, what shapes can I identify in the clouds? And you're kind of like stretching your imagination to see those. So I thought Mm -hmm. that's what you were doing. It's like almost trying to see these things just as, you know, to keep yourself Hmm. entertained. Trail entertainment. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds right up my alley, like something I'd do anyway. Yeah. Yeah. And then it got more and more. (laughs) And then I started to actually stop and like you would look back at me and I'd be like, I'd have, I was having a hard time, um, energy wise, mm-hmm. um, you know, more harder of a time than I usually do. Usually I can keep up and sometimes if even, I'm even like pushing ahead. Yeah. This time I was stopping every once in a while. I started to mention my stomach, um, that I was starting to feel nauseous and then I was nauseous for a long time, uh, not on the brink yet, but I was getting nauseous. I was seeing things in the rock. I was hearing things. (laughs) These are all signs that things are going downhill. Um, I guess it was probably around, it was maybe Cedar Ridge where it turned into something. Those last like say mile and a half, two miles were going to be something. (laughs) It was not, it, it was the one time that I've been, I've exited and been like really fucking exhausted and having a hard time getting out. But this was one where I was like, I don't know how I'm going to get out. Like, I don't know how my body physically is going to move out of here. Yeah. And I think, you know, at the beginning when you're like, do you think this is my worst exit ever? I think your second worst exit was coming out of ISIS where that was, you were, you had an injured knee yeah. from doing your 40, 40, 40. So that was, um, you know, it sucks to, to have an injury, but it's something that, I think mentally, you know, you can overcome, um, you know, excluding like a broken bone. Um, you know that like you can get yourself out. It's just going to take a little bit longer. It's going to hurt. This is a little different. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You're right. You you can like be like, okay, my knee is in pain, but that's something you can, you know, deal with. And even the body will start to deal with that. It'll start to numb that. But this was, my body was on the other way. It wasn't trying to, to like say everything's okay. We can do this. It was going the other way. Um, it was stopping me every, I was still pushing, you know, hundreds of yards and then stopping hundreds of yards and stopping at first. 
Yeah, and it's really, it's interesting to hear your recounting of it because one, you know, this was over a month ago and I have a terrible memory <laughs> theme of the podcast, but um, I don't remember like the decline, like how gradually or quickly it was happening. I just remember that last, like you said, couple miles um, where we slowed down to like, I think we were hiking a mile an hour, if that. Oh, yeah. I think yeah, maybe not. Um, so I didn't necessarily see um the warning signs um because maybe you weren't vocalizing them and you know we're kind of both we're tired or hiking slowing down in general yeah. but um yeah i i think that the last couple miles it i mean it took a turn and um in addition to just hiking slowly um and maybe you can talk about your hallucinations more because i think that was like a really big part of it <laughs> but um yeah, talk about the, you know, you're kind of like weaving yeah. on the trail and fear of falling off the side. Yeah, yeah. So another part like was that I like, yeah, like visually or what do you call it? Visually, spatially, I was having a hard time too. I would find myself, it was almost kind of, it wasn't quite tunnel vision, but it was almost like tunnel vision. Like, like I was like someone had put like a box over my head and given me like quite a bit of space to look out of, but it just, I don't know, it's, it's tough to explain. And then every once in a while I'd be, I'd walk, walk. I mean, I'm looking down, I'm struggling. I'm like, I kind of turn into, I think of a train sometimes when we're hiking, even other times. And I'm like, just put your head down and chug along. I would do that. And then all of a sudden, all of a sudden, like out of nowhere, I'd stumble off to the right, like mm-hmm. actually stumble, like boom, 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 boom. And I'd stumble to the left, boom, 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 and I'd stop and be like, whoa. And then I'd go some fr- a little bit further, and it would happen again. And my feet were crossing over each other mm-hmm. a little bit. That's okay, maybe, if you're in the middle of the woods on a flat trail. But if you're at Grand Canyon, and the South Kaibab is not known for being, you know, like non-cliffy, it's cliffy. <laughs> there, Especially that po- point from uh, Cedar Ridge up. Yeah, that's pa- the... When we almost were blown off the <laughs> the edge of the cliff by wind. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it can be scary. Yeah. Yeah. And so I was specifically asking you, I was like, keep an eye on me. Like, yeah. You know, I was mentally enough to say like, keep an eye on me. Like there was one point I remember right after Ua, there's a couple like really scary drops off to the right and there's a big wall on the left. I saw it coming out. I was thinking about it ahead of time. I'm like, I got to be careful in that spot. I got to be careful in that spot. And when I got near there, I went all the way left and was touching the wall. Mm -hmm. And like, if I'd come off the wall, I'd stop. Um, So yeah, dizzy. It wasn't, it's weird. It's not dizzy almost. Like, it's just like your body just can't control itself. It's like, whoa, you're like a little weeble wobble. Um, Yeah. And I think, um, I do think that your like depth perception was off because- Mm. Um, yeah, you asked, you know, asked me to hike on the right side of you to make sure you didn't fall off the cliff, <laughs> which I was. Um, and there were a few times where like, maybe, you know, I'd be a few steps ahead of you or like whatever, we wouldn't be perfectly aligned. And you were like, you would say something about being worried. You're like, don't <laughs> let me fall off the cliff. And, you know, <laughs> I would be looking at this spot on the trail that we were on and it was 10 feet across or something. You're nowhere near that to the cliff. And yeah. I was like, I, I won't, you know, but I think. <laughs> you felt like you were much closer to the edge than you were or or maybe just legitimately worried that like you didn't know how far you could possibly stumble yeah no i think that's part of it and i think i also 
it's weird to be in that situation. And I want to talk about this a little bit in a second when we talk about the hallucinations. I was with it enough, like mentally, I was still there to know that I wasn't okay. Mm-hmm. And so I kept in my mind, I was like, I was like, shit, I need, I, I need help, you know, mm-hmm. like, like not help. Like I need like rescue or anything like that. But I'm like, I knew in my mind that I had to keep saying things like that. Like, like, Hey, watch me. Yeah. Like, Cause I don't know what my body's doing right yeah. now. Ooh, recounting this is kind of weird. It's, I know. it was and a I, bad, there, bad thing. And that being said too, I mean. I will never say that like I, one of my greatest strengths is like being a medic or knowing anything about, you know, (laughs) about that. So, um, I think if the roles had been reversed, like maybe you would have had a, a better sense of what to do with me if I was stumbling around and hallucinating. Um, I was really worried because I didn't know, you know, okay, like, can I hike you out of here? Like, can we do this? You know? (laughs) together and get out and then things will be okay. Or like, is this, does this need to be escalated? Like, do you need to sit on the side of the trail and do I need to run out and get help? And I, like, I honestly didn't know where that line was. And so I think I even asked you at one point, like (laughs) knowing that like maybe mentally you weren't totally there, but still, um, I think I asked like, you need to tell me like, if you really need Mm -hmm. you know, emergency medical attention, because like, I, I don't know, like, I don't know the warning signs. I don't know. Like if you all of a sudden would have passed out, like maybe there, you know, there were signs that I missed because I'm just not aware of what they are. So, um, yeah, it was kind of scary. Yeah. Yeah. I think there's something to be said. And I mean, I'm not tooting my own horn, but like some fortitude that's been gained throughout the Canyon, through our adventures. I, I think through this next story that we're going to tell, looking at other people and how they react to it, I think I knew that like I was messed up and like potentially in trouble, but I knew that my body was gonna physically, (laughs) in a sense, I was like, just shut up and get out of here. Like you need to get out of here. Well, I keep putting one foot in front of the other. Yeah, like has really given you like a great foundation for knowing when you know, like what what level of emergency or it, you it know, cross that. It, yeah. Yeah. Like I was taking, I was kind of taking my heart rate. I couldn't take my blood pressure mm-hmm. necessarily. You can like kind of feel how powerful your blood is going, but my mind was right there. Like you said, yeah, the woofer and I'm a, I've been a biology teacher for nine years. Um, I knew that my blood was thick and I knew what consequences that could have. They talk about heat related deaths in grand Canyon. And I mean, I guess anywhere, and a lot of times that ends up being heart failure. Um, I mean, or organ, other organ failure. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, it was in my head. I was like, I was like feeling my breathing. I was feeling my, I could feel my heart in my ears, you know, <laughs> like these are all terrible signs like, yeah. of blood you pressure. And, too. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> did the hallucinations really start in earnest when we were on the trail or was it after? No, it was the drive back. Yeah. So we finally get up, you run to the car because South Kaibab, you can't yeah. park right at the trailhead. You have to park about, you know, half a mile, um, up the road in this, in this parking area. And so you take off, I sit down and there's an elk right there <laughs> staring at a me. A real elk. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So this isn't part of the hallucinations. No, this, yeah, it was there. This elk was just sitting there staring at me. 
And and what it really wanted to do was it wanted to get around me to get to the water. There's a, a spigot that they sometimes go and like either lick the concrete or it's dripping or whatever. And it was just staring at me and I'm just like, oh my God, like I don't want to stand up and move, but this guy is like staring right at me. And he's probably, you know, you could, I don't know, you could easily like throw a paper. Oh, he was probably like a wa- 15 feet Yeah, away. a wad of paper, yeah. you know, is really hard to throw. I could have probably hit him with a wad of paper. That's a weird description, but it makes sense. <laughs> so I finally move and he goes out. Anyway, you're going and you're scared of like running by yourself to the car <laughs> at this point. I think I called point. my mom on speaker because <laughs> it was, I don't know what time. Uh, it would be, it was, well, we exited at 1 a.m. Oh, yeah. So I call her in the middle of the night. My poor mom like wakes up. Yeah, that'd be like three o'clock or maybe four. <laughs> like, just stay o'clock. on the phone with me in case I get attacked by an animal. I don't mind. <laughs> and save me through the phone. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so you got the car. You come rolling up. I get in. We start driving. That's when the hallucinations started going nuts. And I've never had this before. I've never done this. I've never had these type of hallucinations. What's crazy is having these hallucinations. You're not drunk. So it's not something that you're like all weirded out and saying and you like wake up in the morning and like you would be like, do you remember saying this? I'll be like, no, I don't. I remember everything. Yeah. (laughs) I was lucid in my mind as far as memory. Another thing, it's it's funny because at the time, um, you know, like in the moment, I, this is going to sound rude. Like, I don't want to say I didn't believe you, but part (laughs) of me was like, like, are you like trying to have like, are you exaggerating? <laughs> you know, like sometimes you have a dream, like I'll admit to this. Sometimes I have a dream and I, I like remember most of it, but when you're like recounting it to someone, you kind of like play it up. Like I had the craziest dream, you know, and <laughs> maybe it's not like totally accurate. <laughs> so I was curious, like, I, I kind of thought it was like the face in the rock thing. Like, are you trying to see things? Like, are you like just half asleep or are these like true <laughs> hallucinations? And it's funny that I even questioned it because I was thinking about this actually earlier today. I was out hiking, listening to um, the Humans of Ultra Running podcast. And this is a theme that comes up in like almost every single one of their episodes because um, the folks who are guests are these ultra runners who do 200 mile, 400 mile races. I mean, they're running for days straight, either not sleeping at all or sleeping for an hour at a time, you know, here and there. And hallucinations are just that it's part of the game. Like this, you know, this runner, Candace Burt, who has the podcast, she hallucinates like every single race she does. And like, she just knows it's going to happen. And she like welcomes it almost. And it's funny to hear them talk about it because they're not like, I feel like if I hallucinated, I would be afraid. Like I'd be scared that that was happening. And that wasn't your attitude at all. And it's not theirs. They're just like, yeah, I had these crazy hallucinations. Let me tell you about them. And yeah, so that was, it was interesting that like you're, your demeanor was so like calm, even though you were, I mean, just seeing the most wild things that just were not there. Yeah. I, I think, I mean, most of them, there was, there was maybe one that I remember that was, you know, kind of scary. Yeah. Um, but cause most of them, like you said, my, you know, your demeanor is just like, Oh, I'm having hallucinations. Oh, yeah. I just saw this. Oh, I just saw that because it is kind of like, I don't want to say it's fun necessarily, <laughs> like if you like completely look at the whole moment, but like it's not a bad thing that's going on. There I mean, was that's why people take drugs that's true. <laughs> in part. Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? It was like that effect without having to take yeah legal substances. <laughs> it was, and so just to kind of go on to like some of the hallucinations <laughs> that, that pop into my head. Um, so we're driving and it's at night, and you were struggling too for 
you know, for staying awake yeah. kind of thing. But I was driving, just to be clear. Oh, Nick was God, not yeah. driving. <laughs> no, no. Um, so some of the things I saw, like I remember one was a, um, as we're driving along, like apes jumping, uh, like, like along the side of the road, like kind of like, like big, like gorilla apes kind of like thing. And I was like, Whoa. And then another one was kind of one of the scarier ones was all of a sudden I saw this tractor halfway off the road, like, like in the, the, on the shoulder, but in the lane. And I was like, ah, and I thought we were going to hit it Mm -hmm. and we get right to it. And then it disappears. That was that was like kind of the scary one. Um, I think what scared you, one of the ones that really scared you, was I yelled at the windshield. Do you remember what you were yelling at? Yeah, I said stop it. Yeah, but I mean like oh, was it was there a like face. A, oh, okay. there was a face in the windshield, and it was moving. It was like shaking back and forth. So I wasn't necessarily like saying stop it to the hallucination, like like go away. I was upset that it was moving around so much. Yeah. I was like stop it. Yeah, that freaked me out because for the most part, you know, on this drive, you were just pointing things out that you were seeing and yeah. you know oh here's a, a giraffe or whatever your hallucination was yeah and then oh, yeah. you giraffe. it was almost like a little bit of anger and like yelling mm. you know raising your voice and shaking your finger at the windshield like, stop it stop it yeah and that did freak me out because um yeah I, I mean i was worried like what if you hallucinate that like oh and you kind of did that something's like going on with me and I like did, your yeah. reaction it like what if you have some type of like aggressive reaction towards me like that's what's making me nervous honestly i'm like kind of weird about this stuff anyway if my little sister listens to this podcast she'll know exactly what i'm talking about there was one time when we were growing up that she slept walk sleep walked Uh, (laughs) she walked in her sleep (laughs) and she came into my room this is when i was like in high school she was in junior high middle school whatever she came in my room and sat on the edge of the bed and i thought something was wrong Anna, what's wrong? And she was just mumbling, you know, nonsense. And I was half asleep. So I was like, what? And she was mumbling nonsense again. And then I realized she was, you know, sleepwalking. And I was like, Anna, get out of my room. <laughs> so she gets up and walks to the door and she says, fine, and slams my door. And so the next day we like are remembering that she was sleepwalking and it freaked me out so much that like for, you know, the next several days, there was one night in particular I was upstairs and I heard her walking around in the hallway and I ran in my room, like shut and locked the door because I thought she was sleepwalking again and she was like, Carrie, I'm awake. <laughs> so apparently I'm afraid of like people sleepwalking and like it freaks me out. Like I don't no. understand why you're not oh. in your correct mind. <laughs> well, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to <laughs> freak you out. Come after me in yeah. your sleep. Oh man. <laughs> yeah. The one that, that I saw you was, uh, it was a, um, we were listening to the Spice Girls. They, they were on? Okay, yeah, yeah, Spice Girls were on, and like I look over kind of at the corner of my eye, and you turn your hat backwards and just start like dancing, like kind of like Sporty Spice or whatever, like, tell me what you want, what you really, really want. And, and I like, wasn't wearing a hat. Like, it, that did freak me out. Yeah, you weren't like, obviously dancing. Yeah. Like, like I'm saying hands all over the place. I'm doing the motion now, as you can see on the podcast. Um, <laughs> and I start giggling and laughing, and you're like, what? And I was like, oh, I just, and I explained it to you, and that one freaked you out, too, yeah. like that I was hallucinating about you yeah. uh, being there. So. <laughs> Yeah, hallucinated quite a bit. Um, we tried to play games. We tried to like play like name the animal kind of thing. And you'd be like, name an animal. It starts with B. And I'd be like, lamp. <laughs> <laughs> it was <laughs> the like, only time I'm ever going to beat you at that game. So yeah. I loved it. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> we made it back home. Um, fell asleep. 
and I don't think anything else happened. I think woke up and, you know, drank water and I was fine. I didn't have any other repercussions after that. Yeah. Yeah. I was no lasting effects. Well, you're doing the next day. Yeah. So yeah, big points take away from that, uh, from our own experiences, um, watch out for overexhaustion, dehydration, undernutrition and hydrocodone. Oh, that was another thing I looked up the next day. Um, hydrocodone, uh, has been known to be, um, yeah. Yep. To be associated with hallucinations. And I would say another thing, and you know, we'll talk about this in the next story too, is, um, to bring more food and water than you think you'll need. (laughs) I think that was, I mean, just a really simple thing that we both did wrong. Um, and things could have been worse, you know, like one of us could have sprained our ankle and we could have been stuck up there for 12 more hours. So, um, that's something that we don't do great at and should try to improve is like to over plan. Yeah. Yeah. But you got to balance that too, because then all of a sudden you're carrying, you know, 50 pounds for a day trip. Well, well, I'm just saying you have to, yeah, you have to balance it out. Um, but yeah, we did have, you said before you thought it was like a 16 hour day, you know, calculate your mind and you can do that all you want. A lot of runners are like, I'm going to do a double crossing. It's going to take me this amount of time. So I'm going to have this amount, Mm -hmm. but I, no one out there who has experience with Grand Canyon will ever say that it doesn't add hours and struggle. It mm-hmm. does almost every single time. How rare is it to get out of the canyon and be like, well, that was way easier than I thought it was going to be. <laughs> like, like that doesn't freaking happen. Um, and so, yeah, yeah. Good lessons to learn there from our personal Brahma trip. And, uh, I scared the crap out of, uh, people around me (laughs) and I probably will never, I, for some reason posted up a little tiny snippet about saying like, I don't even remember what it was, something about having a hard time and the hardest exit I've ever done. And all of a sudden I get a bunch of worry from my family, (laughs) which is great. I love that. But, uh, yeah, it was a, it was a scary one. So don't do that people, even though hallucinations, hallucinations are fun. (laughs) They're not good to have, uh, yeah, cool. So, uh, part two. Yeah. Part two. All right. And this is, we are an hour and four minutes in. Really? Yeah. Or however long, you know, with editing this happens. Um, so absolutely. Uh, we'll be right back after this, uh, message (laughs) slash bathroom break slash Chloe petting time slash I'm going to get a little more mead drinking horn mead. Oh, here we go. This break. I'm going to get more water. This (laughs) Oh, I should do that, shouldn't I? Okay, I'm going to go get water. (laughs) And then the chicken pooped on her lap. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) We're back from our break. Brought to you by Drinking Horn Mead. And I was supposed to get more water, and you know what I did? I put an extra ice cube in my mead. (laughs) See, I'm trying, everyone. (laughs) It's not my fault. Mm-mm-mm-mm. All right. Part two of this episode is not about what happened. To, well, it's about what happened to us in a sense, because we were there and we were doing things. Um, but, uh, let's start from our, you know, we were just going basically, I mean, we won't really say exactly what we were doing, <laughs> but we were going down to, uh, the river and back. Yeah. Had a and little canyon. So this was yesterday. This was yesterday. Um, so August 29th, my sister and brother-in-law's birthday. Hmm. Isn't Wait, they both have the same birthday? Yeah. Yeah, that is super cute. Yeah. It could create some cute opportunities, we'll say. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, so yeah, we had a little adventure down in the canyon and 
started hiking out South Kaibab two o'clock, one forty-five. Sure, yeah, yeah, yeah. around there. Um, In the heat of the day. Yeah, <laughs> it so, was at least two o'clock. Yeah, I think um, the reason we started hiking out so early, we had initially planned on waiting until like five o'clock to start hiking out when the sun was lower. Um, but it it was weird weather yesterday. It was just um, back and forth, like, you know, clouds would roll in. It looked like it was going to storm. Then it would get sunny. Yep. Like, that's basically how the weather was from sunrise to into the afternoon. Um, so when we started hiking out from Phantom Ranch, it was completely overcast, super windy. It had cooled down, and it felt like a storm was about to roll in. So we were like, heck yeah, let's, you know, hike out in the rain. This is going to be um, pretty good weather for hiking out. Mm-hmm. Um, I was super excited to like get home early for once <laughs> from the <laughs> canyon and like go get Chloe and eat a real dinner. Um, and so I think maybe half an hour into our hike out, the sun burned off all the clouds. <laughs> yeah, we got maybe Punk. three sprinkles, and then it, you got three. I think so. Yeah, I think yeah. I got one. Maybe it was like just sweat coming from you or something. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, so the sun just burned everything off and it was really hot on really some hot. of the most exposed sections of South Kaibab. So yeah. it was going to be a, a rough-ish hike out. Um, yeah. Yeah, it turned on us. Yeah. But, you know, that's what it does. <laughs> and, you know, we know that. Yeah. So, um, so on our way out... Uh, you know, when we were down at Phantom Ranch, this is a mistake number one, maybe that we made. <laughs> um, I had a two liter bladder in my backpack that I didn't even fully fill up at Phantom Ranch because I thought it was going to be cool and windy on the hike out. Um, so I think I had maybe a liter and a half of water for the and, hike out. Yeah. Let's put a big warning out there. Like, like people who are thinking about doing things in the Canyon, maybe for the first time or something in the summer should probably double what we say we have. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. So we started hiking out. You had two liters of water. I had like a liter and a half. Um, and we got up to tip off, which like you said earlier is about two miles up on the trail. Um, and at that point, like I was, I was really hot. I was, Mm -hmm. you know, not enjoying the sun (laughs) No. and, um, doing fine, like physically, but just, you know, annoyed with the heat. And I started getting a little concerned with how much water we had between the two of us to get out because I was drinking a decent amount um, in those first two miles and didn't know if I could ration it for the rest of the way. Um, So we, for the first time, filtered some water from the rainwater barrels. Is that that what they're called? This is only, it was, what was it, the beginning of the summer when they put in this structure? Maybe like, no, I think we saw them doing it last Late winter. Fall. Yeah, when we were going down to do Zorro, we saw the helicopter bringing in Oh, supplies. that long ago. Okay, yeah. so yeah, they, they built this structure on the South Kaibab at a place called Tip-Off, and it is basically like a metal ramada, kind of. like, yeah, like I mean, a shade structure. Yeah, it's not like a, a shelter. I mean, it's a shelter from the sun, mm-hmm. um, and it's it's. I think it's great. I think mm-hmm. it's a, actually, here's why. Like, I don't necessarily, I'm not like, go build things in Grand Canyon. Like I'm not for that whatsoever, but the South Kaibab trail to have something not halfway up, but like a third of the way up, um, that supplies shade. Mm -hmm. And then also in a sense, water, we'll talk about that here in a second. I think that's great. I I'm all for that. I think they, it was well done. I think it was a great idea. Um, 
so it's basically just this structure. It's got a metal roof and therefore it has the ability to catch rainwater on the roof. They gutter it down. They've got two barrels that the water flows into. This is obviously not water you should just straight up drink because there can be bird feces, dead animals, things like that in there. <laughs> you just gave me a great face, but it's true. Um, it's not, you know, you could lift your mouth up to the rain and catch it straight in your mouth. But if it's running off of a surface and in a barrel stored, you need to be careful. Anyway, you need to treat it. And this was, yeah, this was a time where like looking back at the story we're about to tell, I'm really glad that we decided, Hey, let's just go ahead and filter some of this water. Mm-hmm. Or, or I, I filled up my my Sawyer filter bag to, to filter later. Um, and I'm really glad that we yeah. did, but that was kind of cool. That was a unique experience. Yeah. Um, don't count on that water because one it depends of the, on rain. it depends on rain. And then I, one of the barrels, I could barely even reach the water. They don't have a spigot at the bottom. You got to go through the top. So even if there's water in it, if it's too low for you to reach your container and I was worried I was going to drop my Sawyer bag too. (laughs) So do not rely on this. This is not a reliable water source, but it is there. So yeah. So we grabbed that because we were both a little bit, you know, why not? Right. You know, why not? So we Um, have one extra liter than what mm -hmm. we started out with. Yeah. Yeah, um, took a couple sips from it and then filled it back up. Yeah. So we continue our hike mm-hmm. up the trail. Um, and, you know, we're just like trudging along. It, it really wasn't awful. We had some cloud coverage. And we were approaching what we call the white switchbacks, um, which are awful. <laughs> <laughs> they can and, be, yeah. Yeah, they can be. Um, they're about three and a half miles up from the river. Um, almost basically halfway point on the South Kaibab Trail. Um, so we're hiking along and see a little cooler backpack on the side of the trail. Yeah. Um, little like igloo day pack. Um, so we hadn't really seen many people on the trail. It was a very quiet quiet day day. in the canyon. We had just passed a couple who was backpacking. So we knew it wasn't theirs. And they were the only folks that we saw that we had seen at that point on South Kaibab. So Um, yeah, we see this abandoned backpack. Yeah. Just kind of sitting there on the side of the trail and immediately we're like, what's going on? Because, you know, you just don't see that. And we didn't see anybody around. We looked up the cliff. We looked down the cliff. Um, I called out three different times Mm -hmm. yelling, is everybody okay? I'm thinking like, maybe they just went to go poop behind a rock. You know, like I really did. I said that out loud. And I was like, cause I'm trying to think of like why someone would just leave this bag here and yelled, didn't have a response. So at that point I had curiosity wise, I was like, I don't know what's going on. I'm going to look in this bag because no one's around. To see if there was like ID, a phone, you know, anything. To get more of the story. Yeah. And I, I have to say, I know for me, Death in Grand Canyon, that book we referenced earlier was definitely in my head at that point. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's why Nick was calling out was. You know, sometimes when when people are a little in over their heads, they're um, dehydrated, suffering from heat exhaustion, they don't make the best decisions. And there are a couple mm-hmm. stories in Death and Grand Canyon where folks go off trail in search of water yeah. or shade or thinking that maybe they could find a shortcut down to the river or up to the rim. Um, do not do that, by the yeah, way. Don't do that. And, you know, at this spot on South Kaibab, it's kind of rugged. Like, I would have been surprised if someone had done that. But there's a drainage um, to the east of us that I could see someone who isn't super familiar with the Grand Canyon 
seeing this drainage and thinking, I wonder if there's, you know, there might be water in there. That looks like it leads down to the river. Maybe there's a creek. Maybe I can get to water quicker. Yeah. Um, so that's what we were a little worried about. Hence the, you know, yelling out to make sure people were okay and didn't yeah. get stranded off trail. Yeah, there's two types of yelling in Grand Canyon. One is really annoying <laughs> when you're just yelling off of a cliff, like, ah, like to hear your own voice. And then the other is yelling to make sure that, you know, your fellow people are okay. So I, I unzip it and you were kind of a little bit higher because we passed it. They we're like, okay, whatever. It's a backpack. Someone's going to come grab it. We went up a little bit. I'm like, no, I got to go back um, and see. I went back, yelled again, <clears throat> no answer. So I unzipped it. I opened it up. There was two empty water bottles uh, or two empty propel bottles. So together, it wasn't even a liter uh, worth of, of water containing. There was three bags of unopened chips. There was a wine multi-tool opener kind of thing. oatmeal cream pie. Oh, a smushed up oatmeal cream pie. And then I unzipped the other one and there was a, a rain jacket, a packable rain jacket and rain pants. And, and that was, and toilet paper and that was it. Mm -hmm. So there was no water in there. Um, there was food that was unopened. And so I was like, wow, what someone, someone abandoned this. Yeah. And, and we, you know, we initially it. started talking about it. That was one of my theories was someone, it was hiking out and realized, oh, this is really hard. <laughs> um, you know, I don't want any extra weight and just tossed it on the side of the trail and, it was in our minds, canyon trash at that mm -hmm. point. Um, and we've seen people do that before. We yeah. saw a discarded tent and sleeping bag yeah. on Bright Angel once where, again, like you could tell with the, um, what was discarded, it was brand new, but also like really cheap. So it seemed like maybe someone had gone to Walmart for their first backpacking trip, um, you know, was hiking out and yeah, realized hiking out of the canyon is a lot harder than hiking <laughs> in and just left stuff on the side of the trail so they didn't have to carry it. So yeah. that seemed, it seemed like that was what happened. So mm -hmm. we grabbed it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I was it. so, and then I'll, I'll admit this right now, like seeing that and seeing that there was no water in it. I, if there was water still in it, I would have been concerned about taking it because someone could have thought, I think like I set it down, maybe they were embarrassed and they weren't answering me yelling and they would come back to it and take off. But since there was no water in it, I was like, I'm not killing someone by taking this. You know, and I think we had two someone. thoughts. I mean, one, we kind of, um, wanted a cooler backpack cause we've been talking, <laughs> I was going <laughs> to say talked that. about that a couple weeks ago. Like, Oh, it'd be so fun to take down to the Creek, like with some beer and keep it cold. Yeah. So we <laughs> already wanted a cooler backpack. And, um, two, like, you know, we pick up little micro trash on the trail every time we see it, um, to try to keep the Canyon clean. So I thought like, you know, this is one of the times where we're not backpacking. We both had really light day packs. We actually could carry this out of the Canyon. Um, you know, assuming it was trash. Mm -hmm. So yeah, didn't feel bad about it. <laughs> No, no. Yeah. Just trying to clean up. And, and like I said, yeah, it didn't have water in it. So I didn't think I was killing anybody and I yelled. And so anyway, that's my justification for taking this trash out of the Canyon. So not too much later, uh, we start, that was at the bottom of the switchbacks. Oh yeah. I mean, you know, whatever, 10, 15 minutes later, we're hiking up the switchbacks. We turn and we see this guy and he is like sitting down on the trail, leaning back against a rock and you and I both thought okay, we knew it was the back this guy. is yeah because he didn't have a pack with him 
he was like a kind of a, you know, like a older, not older, but like he, he didn't look like he was doing well. We get up to him and we're like, Hey, and he says this, this is, I'll always remember this. He goes, are you guys ready to be rescue Rangers? Uh, <laughs> and I just, I was like, is oh this boy. your backpack? And yeah. he was like, yeah. He's like, it was slowing me down. It was weighing me down. And so this initiated our adventure for the rest of that day. <laughs> And so what he had with him that we could see was um, like a Gatorade bottle that had um, uh, like an inch of water one more swig. in the bottom of it. Um, and so, yeah, we saw him and I think one of us asked like, so is that your water? Is that what you have for water? And, or I think I said, are you okay on water? And he lifted up this bottle and showed us how much he had left. Um, and so we both, you know, we're like, hey, we have an extra liter. Um, we'll filter it for you right now. Um, so Nick started filtering the extra liter of water we had picked up from the rainwater barrel. And, you know, we start talking to this guy about how he was doing, what his day had been like, and he was in rough shape. Yeah. Yeah. He was telling us like, I can't, I'm done. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was saying his legs wouldn't work. Um, he's like done. Like, he's like, yeah, you need to call somebody mm -hmm. and get me out of here. And so, yeah, I filled up that water bottle and then. In my mind, I was like, oh, crap. Like, okay, I turned into like, it turned a switch. And I'm like, okay, rescue kind of mode or like get this guy taken care of. It's not just about, because I've given people water in the canyon before. Like I've filled mm -hmm. up their stuff before, but they're like just like out of water, but they're still walking and going, this guy wasn't, wasn't going. And he was, you know, his face was like covered in sweat. And he, when we saw him, he had like his head in his hands and, yeah. um, I mean, he told us that he hadn't moved from that spot in a really long time. He said um, before we uh, turned the corner and hiked up to him, he had been like laying on the trail, like in the middle of the trail for a while. Um, oh. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He was in the sun, too. Oh, like, yeah. There was, so the switchbacks, they would go into the sun and then into the shade and into the sun and into the shade at this point in the day. And he was just sitting in the sun which at that point, the sun was so vicious. That was, I forgot, that was one mm -hmm. of my first thoughts. I was like, and I told him, I said, hey man, like mission number one is you need to get in the shade. And he's like, I can't, I'm, I don't, I don't. He said, I'm not worried about the sun. I, I'm worried about water. In my yeah. mind, I'm immediately like, what, what, is, what are you talking about, dumbass? Like that <laughs> is one in the same. Like you're sweating more water than you're taking in right now. Yeah. So I forgot about that. Yeah, he yeah, was no, sitting was directly in the sun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and like you said, that was the heat of the day. That was when we were both kind of struggling. I was mm -hmm. like, oh, man, this is going to be so <laughs> such a rough exit. And um, so we had initially told him um, that, you know, we would just book it on the way out. We had three and a half miles to go, and we would just try to speed hike out, get to the top, get service, and call search and rescue for him and send somebody down. Um, so that was the initial plan. And like Nick said, he, you know, we gave him water, and Nick was really encouraging him. Like if you can just, if you can do anything, if you can muster up some strength, like just go around this corner, get in some shade and just sit and wait. Um, you know, someone will hopefully be down in a matter of hours. Yeah. Yeah. And he was not having any of that getting up and moving. So yeah. I, I can't remember how much information he shared with us in this first um, like interaction, but I think he had mentioned that he hadn't eaten anything. Um he said he like hadn't eaten anything all yeah. day. And so he had some bags of Doritos in his backpack. And I believe we left a bag of Doritos with him. 
yeah. before we took out yeah, or I, took off. Yeah, I definitely suggested that he needed to eat. Yeah. Um, and he's like, I can't eat. And I think he did tell us at that point, either whether it was then or in the future, he told, he said, whether it's true or not, and he said it a couple times, so it's probably true, that he had not eaten since the night before. So he'd mm-hmm. gone all day without eating. And he, again, like we mentioned earlier, he said he wasn't hungry and he yeah. didn't want to eat. And that's a sign of? Dehydration. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> um, so, you know, we we left him with a bag of Doritos, um, a liter of water, and we took off um, speed hiking up to try to get out as quick as possible. Um, maybe a few minutes later, Nick checked to see if he had service. <laughs> Crazy. I had I had service. Like... You never have service in the canyon. At least I don't, unless you're up on like the arm of Zoroaster. And I randomly, I'm like, okay, I'm going to have my phone and I'm just going to have it on and look at it as we're hiking. And if I somehow like it pops from no service to service, then at least I'll see it. I open my phone, boom, all of a sudden I've got a couple bars. I was like, holy crap, I've got service. And I'm just, we're just, we're like three switchbacks above this guy. Mm-hmm. And so I tell you, and this happened at the same time, as soon as that happened, two guys come down, um, two young guys come down. And so I'm like, I'm going to dial 911. I'm going to call 911 because that's, I didn't know a number for the ranger station. I didn't know anything. And so, um, these, these two, <laughs> these two kids, I call them kids. What they were like, they're I mean, still, they're, in high, they're still in college. 20. Yeah. So like early, early twenties, probably like 22 years old. Um, they come down and I say, uh, yeah, they're like, Hey, how you doing? I'm like, Oh, good. There's a guy down there. Like he's on the side of the trail. He's like, not doing real well. We're just going to try to get him out. I don't know why I tell that story. I'm just like, Hey, this, here's what's going on. Here's what you're going to come across. And the guy looks at me and he goes, Oh yeah, we're doing this completely dry. And I look at him and I see they don't have anything. They don't have any water and they're already three and a half miles down. Mm-hmm. And then they're running, like they're running real quick. Yeah. Um, and they said they were going all the way to the river. I think they even asked us, like, how much further is it? Yep. And we told them. And, yeah, they said they are doing it dry. Uh, and we were like, what? Really? Like, uh, <laughs> like, that's there's, not a great idea. Yeah, it's not a great idea. Like, I don't know about that. And he goes, we're daredevils. <laughs> <laughs> I will never forget that when he looked at me. He goes, we're daredevils. You like, know, the reason Whoa. we're, like, laughing and being jovial about it is, like, number oh. one, we know they got out safe. Number yeah. two. Um, like it seems like what idiots, you know, but they were real nice. Like we interacted with them a lot on the hike out. So I like have a soft spot for them, even though I do think they're really stupid. Oh yeah. No, it was a dumb decision on theirs, yeah, but, but they were, they were really cool. Yeah. They were, and they were like, they were young, they were in shape. Um, you know, they were in great shape. I mean, they're just like young they look like college athletes. Yeah, yeah exactly. They look like, yeah. you know, sports. Yeah. Like they were, they were in shape anyway. So, um, I get signal. I call nine one one. I get a guy. He says, nine one one. Where is your emergency location? And I say, Grand Canyon National Park. And he kind of like got like a little not like a little snarky, but he was like, uh, where in Grand Canyon? <laughs> and then I realize I'm like, yeah, it's a big place. <laughs> as soon as I start trying to say something, I go south. And as soon as I do that, er, service gone. I was like, Damn it, crap! Like I had him right there. So. You end up getting service at the top or above me. Yeah, a I was bit. like one switch back above, and I had much better service than you did. So I, you know, I turned my phone on after your call um, ended, and so I called nine one one and had you know enough service to communicate to the guy what was going on. There was you know hiker in trouble. Gave him just the basic information that we knew, 
and um, he patched me over to search and rescue. So mm-hmm. I get on the phone with Miss um, Ranger, Ranger Anderson. Anderson. Not my favorite person in the world. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> so you know, I it was a little irritating to me because. We're in the middle of Grand Canyon. Like, we obviously don't have good service. I was shocked that this call even went through and was Mm -hmm. lasting as long as it did. Um, And I had already given the 911 um, responder quite a bit of information. Like, in in my mind, everything they needed to know. And as much as we knew, um, this is stranger. You know, (laughs) it wasn't happening to one of us. So um, she was asking me additional questions. And, um, you know, I thought I had made it clear that, this person was, you know, a random hiker that we had encountered on the trail. It's not someone we knew. And we weren't right next to him at the time. We were probably a quarter mile or more above on the trail. Um, and so, you know, she at no point told me like, okay, we're going to send someone, Yeah. you know, we just need to figure out who to send or, you know, we need to gather as much information as possible. No, she never said they were going to send someone. She, Um, The message I was getting was that his options were to hike back down to tip off, which was about a mile and a half below where we were on the trail, um, to grab emergency search and rescue supplies that they they keep stored there um, for situations like this where people might have to stay overnight and hike out in the morning. Yeah. Um, So she repeated that several times to me while we were on the phone, but never indicated like, yes, we're going to send a ranger, you know. We'll send a search and rescue employee, nothing. Um, so she had asked me several questions about his um, past medical history, whether he was taking any medications. And I'm like, I don't freaking know. I don't know this guy. My phone's at 15%. Like, let's, you know, wrap this up. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, same same thing that happened with you. Like, my the call kept dropping just over and over. And there were a number of times where I would call back or she would call me and I could hear her perfectly, but she couldn't hear a word I was yeah. saying. And no you know, she would ask me a question, I would answer it, and she would say, I didn't hear anything you said, I've got nothing. <laughs> and so we started, te- she said, can you text me that information? So I sent her about eight texts in a row, including the information she requested about his medical history, medications, um, you know, what his itinerary for the day was, et cetera. Um, and I wasn't getting any responses. So I sent eight texts in a row. And at the end, I was getting a little sassy <laughs> saying like, you need to send somebody, yeah. you know, he's in dire condition. He can't hike out. You know, you're endangering us at this point because, um, you know, we this had been going on an hour probably of helping this guy. And we already had limited water and food. It was hot. Um, there was a storm coming in, like, you know, so she was taking up our time and not telling us like, you know, thank you for the information. We'll take care of it from here. We'll send someone, um, nothing, um, along those lines at all. So we, the message we were getting from search and rescue that we could receive given the bad service (laughs) was that he had to stay overnight in the Canyon. Yeah. Which immediately in my mind and and thinking back on it, I'm like, that happens probably enough to people in the Canyon that that's a thing. But in my mind, I had met this guy. I started to build a relationship with this guy. So to hear that, I'm like, no, I'm like, get someone down here and get him out of here. Well, that, and like, I was, um, (laughs) I think telling my parents today that, um, you know, if, if this would have happened to me, like, let's say, I was overly ambitious and was like, I'm going to do a 40 mile run in the Canyon in August. And like, 
got heat exhaustion and got, you know, got kind of in over my head and realized like, oh gosh, my muscles are seizing up. I can't hike out. You know, I, I have a, a day pack or hydration vest, whatever. Um, if I needed to stay the night down at tip off, that wouldn't be much of an issue for me. I'd be like, all right, <laughs> you know, like I know the Canyon well enough. I'm comfortable enough with sleeping outside and, um, you know, being uncomfortable, things like that, that, that's fine. That's a good option. This yeah. guy, like you could tell he was so, he was scared. Yeah. And um, he just wanted help. He wanted someone to be with him. He didn't want to be alone in the canyon mm. having, you know, he said he had thrown up. He was obviously feeling sick and overheated and he did not want to be alone. Yeah. So I didn't like that option no matter what, like whether that was medically the correct decision for yeah. his situation or not. Just, I think on a human level, I didn't think it was right for yeah. him. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, you get in those situations and you know, these days with all this shit going on and like us, like getting pissed at each other, like when it comes to a human being, another human being, like you want them to survive and you want them to be okay. And that was what was going through my mind is like, this is a person. I'm not just walking away from this person. And I think it's also when someone is asking for your help repeatedly, that's another thing. Like yeah. I've encountered people on trails where they've been in pretty rough shape and I've offered to do things for them that they, you know, were uncomfortable with or embarrassed or whatever. And they'd be like, no, 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 I'm fine. And I, oh, you little whiner. <laughs> um, <laughs> I've encountered people on the trail who have been in really rough shape and I've offered to do things like give them water, hike with them. And they have said, no, like, no, 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 I'm okay. Even if they're clearly not, this guy was like, yes, I need your help. <laughs> I need help. I need yeah. you here with me. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And so uh, the option of the tip off, like I, he, there's no way he was, I was getting him to go down a mile and a half to tip off. Um, that's just, Number one, with the storm coming through or, or like impending, I didn't like that option. Instead, my mind, and oh, we had this discussion, our mind, in our mind, it was better to go down, for us to go down to tip off, get that bag and come up to him and set him up for the night. And maybe the park service not super stoked that we're mentioning that or anything like that, but um, we were like, okay, kind of like almost like high five, let's do this. Like, that's what we're here for. We're here to help this person out. We're going to run down. We're in good shape. We're going to get this bag and come back up to him. We turn around, we go around one switchback and there's Justin wobbling his way up the fucking trail. <laughs> and we're like, oh, hey, okay. Like this guy can move. You know, like he's actually making progress up. So that changed all of a sudden, like in my mind, the it changed to, okay, we'll see what he can do. Mm -hmm. And so he comes up, um, some guy that worked at Phantom Ranch, Brian came down. He had a whole camelback full of ice water. He filled up his, um, the guy's name is Justin, who was in trouble, filled up Justin's water bottle. He chugged, not chugged, but drank. Cause I was like, don't chug or you throw up. He drank some, filled it back up. And then, you know, Brian gave some, some thoughts and some suggestions, you know, like, I don't know, being that guy that's like, I've been a guide for blah, blah, blah. And like gave his, his thoughts and ideas. Awesome. Gave us a lot of water, gave Justin a lot of water, went on his way. And we go a little bit further up and there's a giant cave 
at the top of the red wall there at the top of the switchbacks like like pretty huge Mm -hmm. not a cave as far as like goes deep into the cliff but it's like big and the thunder is rolling in now and the lightning is rolling in yeah i just want to back up and just add one detail so um when we saw justin moving if you want to call it that um (laughs) i think it was around that time either right before that or or when we saw him hiking that we let him know like, hey, you know, we're on the phone with search and rescue. It sounds like they're not gonna send yeah. anyone down. So mm-hmm. they want you to camp here. We'll go get the stuff. Here's the plan. Um, and he didn't want to camp down there. He was, hmm. you know, wanting to like, get send out. a helicopter. He would say things like send a helicopter. Yeah. Like- yeah. He wanted help. He didn't want to be in there alone. He didn't want to hike back down to tip off, et cetera. So, you know, at that moment when we saw him hiking, I think Nick said to him <laughs> 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 wow! Hello, it was the elk burger. I'm leaving this in. That was hilarious. So I hope y'all could hear that. Oh, Chloe I... never ever toots ever. She never toots. Right. She is just like the most perfect angel, and she just let out the biggest toot ever. That was heard. a big one. Yeah. It's because Adam gave her an elk burger last night, <laughs> tooting it all out. <laughs> oh, that was the biggest one I think I've ever heard from from her. Oh. Oh, dog okay. toots. Isn't Anyways, it funny? It doesn't smell, though. She's just too perfect for that. They never stink. They, they smell like roses <laughs> and glitter. Franklin, on the other hand. Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, like I was saying, Nick um, said to Justin at this time, like, all right, like, we're going to get you out. And <laughs> I have to say, part of me <laughs> when he said that was like, you're so sweet. <laughs> You're great. The other part of me is like, fuck. <laughs> now we're stuck with this guy for like five more hours. We're never going to get out of here. I'm never going to get home. <laughs> so I had mixed feelings. <laughs> um, and, you know, when we say that we were going to hike out with him or that he was hiking, it was feet at a time. You know, he would yeah. take 10 steps and stop. Yeah. So it was very, very, very slow progress. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we, you know, we, we made a decision. Well, we didn't make a decision right then, but in my mind, yeah, I'd, I was kind of thinking like, okay, like, like Carrie will go up to the car and wait, and I'll just spend, you know, hours getting out, getting him out, a little bit of time. But that storm came through, and it, it ended up not lasting that long, the storm part of it, like at least the intense part of it. But at one point, it was like, holy crap, coming down hard and the wind was big like it was a storm and at that point i kind of like we i got him to the cave or we got him to the cave i went up to you and i you know we had a conversation and we're like we need to leave him in this cave and go up and like kind of reiterate to the park service that there's a dude in the cave Mm -hmm. and and at that point i gave him uh some cashews that we had. I grabbed those from you, this, this bag of cashews. I gave him the rest of my water. So he had about a liter of water. He had the rain jacket, the rain pants. He was in a cave. You gave him your headlamp too. A headlamp. And I gave, yeah. So, so there's been times when you've kind of snickered when you're like, when I say like, you're like, oh, do you have your headlamp? And I'm like, I have three. No, I never or snicker because I, I never, my batteries are always dead. Yeah. I mean, I'm surprised my headlamp lasted on this trip. So I appreciate it. <laughs> no, I know you do. <laughs> I, I don't mean snicker in a bad way or anything, but you're always like, oh, that's Nick. He's got multiple headlamps <laughs> kind of thing and extra batteries and all that kind of stuff. But, um, 
yeah, so I gave him my Petzl um, headlamp. You know, uh, he probably didn't need it, but in case, like it's sa- it's comfort. You know, like I have a light if I oh, hear that was something, the legit thing to or if I sure. see yeah. someone. Yeah, so gave him my headlamp, and we. It was hard for me. I don't know if for you or for anyone else in that situation, it was. I didn't really, I don't think expressed it, but like, it was really fucking hard for me to leave a person in a cave down in Grand Canyon. Yeah. I think that's no, I agree. I mean, it was hard. So I, again, I had mixed feelings about the whole situation, but I think the hardest thing was how much he wanted us to stay with him and how much he wanted our help. Again, like this was not us being like, we're going to help you. Like, I mean, he was, you know, almost like begging. And so when we, you know, we had a conversation off to the side where I, I was kind of like firm about like, there's a thunderstorm rolling in. Like, Mm -hmm. this is great that we're trying to help, but we have at this point done everything we can and we are not searching and rescue. We do not have the supplies, Mm -hmm. you know, to take care of this guy and get him out. And at some point we have to worry about ourselves and our own safety. So we're, we're out of here. Um, so I was pretty firm with that, but the hard thing was, is, you know, Nick went back to kind of break the news that we were going to hike out. And I, yeah, I went with, went with you because I didn't want to like be a coward and like not, not be there for the conversation. But, um, so, you know, you were telling Justin, this is the plan. We're going to get you up in this cave to wait out the, the bad part of the storm. And um, Justin's reaction was kind of like, okay, if that's what you guys want to do, we can all go up there, you know. And But if you guys want to hike out, we can all hike out. And so, you know, it was, that's what was hard is in his mind, he was like, okay, I have these people that are going to be with me. And no matter what happens, like I'm safe because I'm with these people. And that's what was tough. Yeah. Um, is, yeah. And just seeing his face and seeing in his eyes that like he thought we were going to stay with him, like that was a terrible feeling. Um, and I, you know... I think you like emotionally felt, felt really terrible. I had a lot of like anger at search and rescue for putting us in this situation because, um, I, I, yeah, I was, (laughs) I was very, very angry and frustrated that we had done in my mind more, like we had gone above and beyond what, what most folks would do if they saw someone, um, in trouble on the trail. And I thought we did the two most responsible and effective things you can do, which are giving someone water and calling search and rescue or calling, you know, calling for help. And we did both of those things and we were still put in the situation of deciding, you know, what, what's going to happen to this human being overnight. Like do, you know, so it was a, it was a terrible situation to be put in and I do not appreciate the way search and rescue handled it at all. <laughs> yeah. Even you just talking about it right there, it, it hits me. I, yeah, I did not like leaving a, a person down there, but we had to get ourselves out. You know, we had to take care of ourselves supply wise. Like if there's three people down there with those, with what we had, that's going to be harder than if there's one person down there. Mm-hmm. And le- like thinking logically with your brain, a person in that cave with as much water and food that they had and as much clothing and the temperatures that it was going to get to, it wasn't going to drop, you know, to like terrible or uncomfortable temperatures. It was going to be warm. Everything's going to be all right. This person is going to survive, you know, and like logically, but you know, no, it didn't feel good. It didn't no. feel good on a lot of levels, but so, um, yeah, 
So we get out. So, okay, can we continue on? Yeah, yeah. I want to get away from this feeling that I'm I know, right. right. So it's storming. At this point, this is kind of like the heart of the storm. It's like thunder, lightning, winds, rain, blah, blah. Yeah. I'm like literally running because I'm You were running. You caused me to run. I'm like, this is going to hurt later. (laughs) But it was absolutely the right decision because there's this section right at the top of the switchbacks at the red wall, a skeleton point through before you get to like the little climb up to go to O'Neill, you are in the wide open. You are the tallest thing out there. Mm-hmm. And this is a storm storm. And so you got to book it. And so, yeah, I was like, I was like, I do not want to run right now, but we need to get, <laughs> I wasn't doing it for my safety. I was just doing it because I was angry. <laughs> oh, okay. But well, I mean, just the situation. inadvertently yeah. <laughs> you did the right thing as far as like we needed to get to that cliff side yeah. to be out of the exposed area. Yeah, so we got we got stormed on for I mean not that long like you mentioned before maybe twenty it or thirty minutes and quick, then yeah. it passed the rain you know it sprinkled or you know rained on us for a while um, but the thunder and lightning moved away pretty quickly um, and then it, the storm stopped and it was just this absolutely gorgeous oh, gorgeous gorgeous Sunset. hike out I yeah. mean the sun was just peeking out through the clouds like <laughs> illuminating the canyon with an ethereal <laughs> glow like it, it was, was <laughs> yeah. it was beautiful um so yeah I mean it was from that point on like a pretty enjoyable hike out we crossed paths with the little little college runner kids <laughs> a yeah. couple times um one of them struggled quite a mm-hmm. bit on the hike out as well his muscles were seizing up that last mile he was a couple of times that kind of scared us with how yeah. miserable he seemed. Yeah. Um, he was, he was laying down in the trail or yeah. sitting down in the trail, holding his, his legs. He's like, Oh, my quads are seizing up. And it immediately put me right back in that mode again. I'm like, <laughs> okay, we got to get this guy out. But yeah. then you did one of the best things. And something that I will try to remember is that those people are not, you know, the people, how can I say this? Like, they're experiencing this pretty much for the first time, the Canyon struggle and that their struggle is not really as harsh as it probably looks. So you go, you got this, you're a strong guy, get out of here. Like kind of like that. And he got up and he goes like this, he goes, the Lord's got me. And he fucking took <laughs> off. Like he like, gets up like and just, running. yeah, he, like That's what I need. super they're, power hiking. Yeah, you know, I'm sitting good. there all worried that I'm going to have to rescue another person. But a lot of people who are struggling in the Canyon, their struggle is at like a level whatever that like first time, you know, level four. It's not a nine. Yeah. Or a and 10. we were talking, I was like, this is probably how we feel like most days coming out of the canyon. <laughs> we'll go and, back to our other story where I'm hallucinating and about to fall off the cliff yeah. and can like barely even, yeah. you know, contain myself. But yeah, so we passed them, um, but they end up getting to the top. We saw them at the top. Um, we get at, oh, no, so James. Yeah. So. Yeah. Where were we on the trail? Less than a mile was, out? Or? No, no, more. It was, okay. it, was be- well, it was between Cedar and Ua, so okay. it was about a mile and a quarter. Yeah. So we see a ranger hiking down um, yeah. with a backpack, <laughs> and he was like, hey, where are you guys coming from? And Nick says, probably where you're headed. <laughs> yeah. And then he kind of realizes, like, oh, these are the people that called this in, yeah. you know? So we were talking to him and just kind of giving an update, like this is exactly where he is. You know, he was in this cave. He might have started hiking. Here's his condition, blah, blah, blah. We, you know, had a conversation with him. He's super nice. Yeah, James is awesome. Yeah, he he seemed real cool. And he was like, all right, well, you know, I'll probably end up spending the night with him down at Tip Off or Cedar Ridge, wherever they were going to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, we'll hike out in the morning. So he was cool, um, real nice guy. 
Um, I was obviously happy that Search and Rescue had sent someone. Um, my frustration didn't really subside, though, because we did not get that communication from them at all. So we had yeah. no idea someone was on his way. And I mean, one, like in a selfish way, like we could have gotten the hell out of there an hour right. quicker right. and maybe missed some of that storm. We could have gotten, you know, gotten home faster or whatever. But um, on the the emotional level, like we had to leave this person in a cave, like Nick said, I mean, he, I could tell how emotionally um, affected you were by that story. Like we had to leave this guy feeling like he's on his own. Like he's in a freaking cave in the middle of the Grand Canyon by himself in a thunderstorm. Yeah. Um, you know, already feeling sick and miserable. And we just left him. We weren't able to tell him like, we have to hike out. Like there's going to, if someone's on their way, you know, just hang tight for a couple hours and there's going to be a ranger here with you. Like that would have made all of us feel so much better. Right. Yeah. And we weren't able to say that. So I was, Still frustrated, happy to see James, but frustrated nonetheless with search yeah. and rescue. Um, I don't know if you have anything about the end of the hike. I think it was like kind of uneventful, but mm -hmm. I'll just say, um, just to get like the full story in this, um, when we got back to the car and started driving, right when I got service, I did get a number of text messages from Ranger Anderson. Um, so I, I did not receive a single text message when we were in the canyon because my service was obviously terrible. <laughs> um, so she had texted me a number of times, you know, asking additional questions about Justin, um, you know, in his state and um, medical history and things like that. Yeah. And she had communicated to me at one point, you know, we'll send someone. I just need to figure out if it's a paramedic or a ranger. But um you know, I didn't get any of those messages until we were clear out of the canyon hours later. And in looking at our, if you want to call it a conversation, because in my mind it was a one-sided conversation, it was pretty clear that um, I wasn't receiving any of her messages. Like the way I was responding, unless she just thought I was an idiot and like was just rambling on, like none of my responses made any sense <laughs> based yeah. on what she was sending to me. So I just wish that they had a, a better form of communication in, in yeah. those situations. I think that maybe the first things out of her mouth should have been, you know, thank you. We'll take care of it. We'll send some, you know, like making it clear that this isn't your responsibility anymore. We got it. Like we have the information now. Yeah. But I think, and that's funny, like you guys were both probably being frustrated at each other just because like miscommunication. And I think you're right. If she would have said, Hey, we're going to send someone. We just got to figure out who mm -hmm. give us this information. That would have made us feel a little bit better, yeah. but yeah, it's just, it's tough. I mean, there's no communication down there. I'm surprised we got what we got. Yeah. You know, imagine and, if you we know didn't I kept thinking on the hike out, like, man, it was almost like worse that we got some type of service. I mean, I think <laughs> it, it got James yeah. down to Justin a lot quicker than if we would have mm -hmm. waited till we got out to call. So oh, in that way sure. it was great, but the, the limited communication that we had did make things more complicated. And, you know, I was thinking a lot like, man, we could have made a different decision. We could have been hanging out with Justin in this cave all night and all of a sudden a ranger shows yeah. up, you know, like I, that wouldn't have sat well with me either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So we got up, we got back. Um, and then this morning I received, so when I was down there, um, James, uh, in the cave right before I left Justin. him, or sorry, Justin, two J's, uh, Justin, was left him in the cave. And before I left, he said, you know, Hey, you know, how can I get in touch with you? Like, thank you so much. Like, 
you know, uh, blah, blah, this, blah, blah, that. And, and I, I was like, yeah, like I'd love to, you know, get a text from him in the morning that he lived, you know, <laughs> he survived and everything's all right. So I gave him my information and this morning or like early afternoon I did, I got a text from him and he thanked us and he said that uh, a ranger came, um, and they actually spent the night, uh, at Cedar Ridge. So they actually did hike a little bit. And then he was like, that was when I called it quits. Like I couldn't move anymore. Um, and you know, that was, you know, that was great to know that, that he's okay. And now like I can kind of, you know, maybe throw him a text every once in a while and be like, Hey, I'm at that cave, you know, like blah, blah, <laughs> kind of thing. Um, so, so if anyone was wondering like what the end of the story was, uh, we did find out, yeah, that Justin, uh, he at least, uh, made it up and out. Okay. So yeah, Justin, if you're listening to this podcast episode, um, understand two things. Number one, yes, it was a dumb decision <laughs> for you to head down bright angel to the river and try to come up South Kaibab with the supplies and, and knowledge that you had, but B you were strong enough to make it out. Yeah. And, and I could tell by the way you were handling everything that you are a good human being and that like, this is something we already had seen a ranger trying to take a kid out that day. This is summer in grand Canyon and it's a bitch. <laughs> so Justin, um, nothing but, but love for you. You know, it's yeah, that's, that's all. And if Ranger Anderson is listening uh -oh. to this, <laughs> Carrie's got a, a nice conversation she wants to have. No, with I don't want people to like at me or whatever the kids say about like me, like <laughs> bitching about search and rescue. Cause I know I have, I have friends that like volunteer for search and rescue and they're probably going to message me and be like, Oh, wah, 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 wah. this isn't what search and rescue is there for. Like, I get it. He probably wasn't going to die overnight, but like, I just think it could have been handled in a better way. And, you know, it's kind of like, almost like, what do they call it? Bedside manner of doctors. Like there yeah. could be like a little bit better, I think bedside manner of, of, um, this dispatch to know that that you've got not only a person in trouble, but you've got people who are like frustrated and anxious who are trying to help this person. And I actually don't know how many, how many people were actually in our situation. Like, like as far as like, you know, like helping another person out as much as we were able to, because we know the Canyon as much as we do. And you know what I'm saying? I bet it happens quite a bit just because I think people get themselves into pickles quite a bit in the Canyon. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I appreciate that they helped. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, yeah, it was rough not knowing, though. Yeah, so, and you yeah. know what? There could be a change in that because I know they're they're working on, they're going to work on now at past, they're going to do infrastructure to get service along the rim, and I don't know how much that's going to help down into the rim. Maybe not at all. I might be being an idiot about this, but, um, a little better. I'm not a fan of like getting yeah, service and right. Wi-Fi and stuff in the Canyon. I think it's a great thing. Um, I just, it's funny when you're put in that situation and you wish you would have known and been able to communicate more. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's a, that's a pull back and forth. I don't know. I think if you make a decision and you get stuck in the Canyon and you put yourself in a bad, as you like to say, pickle, um, then yeah, maybe the communication doesn't have to be there, but for people who are trying to help like you and me, it makes it kind of frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we learned, I think we learned some good lessons, um, mm -hmm. for the next time we are in a pickle ourselves or need to help someone. So yeah. I think, 
so you, if you want to talk about that a little bit, like what we learned about that situation, specifically this one, not the Brahma one, I just need to drink more water and eat more food. Um, I kind of, in a sense, what I take from this is that people who are struggling in the Canyon, this is hard to say, but like are pro are, are much better than I initially think they are. My mind immediately goes to, Oh my gosh, this person's going to die. Like, like they're in really, really, really bad shape. If I leave them or if I don't help them, they're going to die. Yeah. I don't know if I feel the same way. I mean, I, I feel like it's not my decision to make because I know absolutely nothing about like medical, you know, anything. <laughs> I don't know. And so I would err on the side of like being cautious. Um, even when my mom, you know, got sick a day after our Canyon hike and was asking me to take her to the hospital, which I didn't want to do because I didn't think she wanted to go, but I had, or needed to go. I had this thought of like, what if my mom dies and this is my fault because I was refusing to, <laughs> you know, provide her with emergency medical support. And so, you know, I, I'm glad that we took it seriously and got him help. I think maybe the, one of the lessons I learned was. Um, I mean, it goes back to your situation too, but just to be over-prepared, um, like we, we didn't have any wiggle room to give him any more than we did. I mean, and if we would have stayed overnight, I wouldn't have been able to hike out. I was already so hungry. Um, so I think that it, it's good to have some extra supplies, if not for you, for folks you might encounter who are struggling. So, yeah, I think, yeah, that's Unfor not unfortunately, but that's part of our responsibility as Canyon brats and as people who go into the Canyon a lot into a situation where needs could be, could be needed, <laughs> needs could be needed that maybe, yeah, that is something we need to start thinking about, about throwing in extra stuff and thinking about this kind of situation right here. I mean, like just a couple extra electrolyte packets and an extra protein bar, like would be helpful in situations like this. I think the one other thing that it made me realize was that, um, not just for us, but for, you know, for anyone out there, it's like, you do need to look after yourself first. And I think mm. that, um, things could have been worse for us because of how long we stayed with Justin, like the, the weather could have been a lot worse. Either we could have faced heat on the way out and not had enough water ourselves or that thunderstorm could have, you know, become more dangerous than it was. Yeah. Um, so I think that unfortunately, like that's a reality of these situations too, is like, it's, it's not doing us any good. It's not doing him any good. It's not doing search and rescue any good to have three people in trouble rather than one. So, yeah. um, yeah, I think that that's important too. Yeah. Cool. Whew. Well, overall, whoever's still listening, since this is like a <laughs> maybe million like hours people long. have taken two or three listens at this. <laughs> yeah. This is our <laughs> longest episode for sure. We're at a, an hour and 56 pre-edited. Yeah. About two hours. Um, some big points. I, I jotted some down as we talked. Uh, both stories are about exposure to the elements, uh, getting yourself in, in trouble with that. Um, first thing I've written down is prehydration. Very important to make sure your body is completely filled uh, with hydration because that can affect a lot of things down the line. Um, another thing I have written in, jump in. 
if you have anything here, but, um, scheduled snack breaks. I think that was a great point for you. Um, because when you get dehydrated, you stop becoming hungry. But if you can tell yourself early enough, every hour on the hour, I'm going to stop and eat something. I think that would help at least me out and maybe some other people out as well. Yeah. And, um, we should wrap this up, but I think a couple of people responded on Instagram mm -hmm. about like their suggestions. And one was, um, like those sun protection hoodies, which is awesome. Like that's something that neither one of us are great about, but like, it's tough to think like, I'm going to wear a, a long sleeve or a sweatshirt in the summer, but yeah. they have, I think Patagonia and some other folks make the really, really lightweight ones, like mm -hmm. buy it in white, you know, it's not like you're wearing a you know black, like or a dark one. Um, and they, they do help quite a bit, Absolutely. Um, protecting against the sun. So that's yeah, a great suggestion. UV rated. Yeah. Um, they're lightweight, they will reflect and like, it will save you a lot more than harm you when you're exposed yeah. out there. Yeah. So it was, uh, Steph and Hay was the one that said that she said, uh, sun hoodie and, or I guess it's either Steph or Haley. So, <laughs> um, mm -hmm. either he or she said a sun hoodie and a sun umbrella. So a sun umbrella in good conditions is a, an amazing thing to have. It's basically this silver thing that will reflect the light away from you and keep you, you know, basically in the shade mm -hmm. the whole time. The one thing we've run into is if there is wind, it can tear an umbrella apart yeah. in the canyon. And we actually ran into Tara. What did Tara say that she had a is called like moon? Six moons? Yeah. There's a number. So sorry to like... No. This is not sponsored by Six Moons. <laughs> Obviously. Tara said she's gone through two of them and she's getting her third one sent because they break. <laughs> but um, yeah, sun umbrella or any kind of umbrella can can help you out for sure. The other suggestion was wait until October. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> True. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we are like not really recommending hiking in the canyon in July and August. Um, so, you know. Yeah. Um, and, and this person has... has um, given us suggestions and thoughts and ideas, uh, fan of Canyon Brats too. It's out inside Rico. And yeah, he said, uh, wait till October <laughs> and like a laughing face, no joke. But I think this is great too. He said, make miles at night. Um, if you can do that, like we did with Brahma, um, if you can make miles at night, that's a great suggestion uh, in the Canyon in the summer, but wait till October. <laughs> yeah, for sure. So cool. Well, um, I don't know. Everyone out there listening, thanks for listening to this long-ass episode. Uh, hopefully you split it up into a couple. If you guys have any other suggestions, I'm going to make a post and like add some suggestions uh, to it. And we can uh, try to you know help each other stay safe in, in the heat, which is a very extended season in the canyon, un unfortunately. <laughs> so. well, is that it? Yeah, I was just thinking that we probably shouldn't do our typical sign-off because it's inappropriate for this episode. Oh, no, I like it. Hey, it's all about it. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for listening. This has been the Canyon Brats. Um, stay tuned for more great episodes. Subscribe, share this with anyone who's going to the Canyon, loves the Canyon, all that stuff. We want to hear your thoughts. We want to have you guys on an episode. We'll talk. We're going to talk about Death and Grand Canyon as well in the future. So if you guys have that book, Death and Grand Canyon, read it, reread it, or let us know some of your best stories or your favorite stories from that, and we'll, uh, we'll recount them. And on that note, I'm Nick Irvin. I'm Carrie Henderson. And let's, let's go, go do, do something, something stupid. stupid. And safe. <laughs> and safe. Safe and stupid. <laughs> <laughs> Woo!